Podcast. My name's Eric Stahl. And I'm Daryl Scott, and this is the auto podcast that can appreciate a well-run amateur sporting organization. That's a mouthful there, Daryl. It is. Is there a meaning to that, you think? Uh, perhaps. I, I thought you you were going to say a well-run armature regarding some <laughs> generator and starter repairs, I guess we were doing Well, you know, I'd recently. written the doc before we helped the, uh, the helpless Mr. Casey here earlier this week. We can talk about that, too. We'll get into it. But first and foremost, we want to thank you for coming back. If you're a returning visitor or if you're here for the first time, welcome to uh, the, the auto podcast that... Uh, Really, you never know what's going to happen, what we're going to serve up. Yeah, or if Daryl's going to segue the right way. Anyway, let's talk about the sponsors, Daryl. Let's get it out of the way. Okay, all right. Joe Rogan has nothing on us. Anyway, our first sponsor is Fort's Toyota Pekin. You can find them on the web at toyota-pekin.com. Fort's Toyota Pekin is a family-owned small business located in the heart of central Illinois. Fort's Toyota Pekin live the Toyota lifestyle, beautiful, functional, and high-quality cars and trucks that will stand the test of time no matter what your budget. Visit them online at toyota-pekin.com or stop by Forts today at 120 Radio City Drive in North Pekin, or as they like to say, 15 minutes from anywhere. See the friendly professionals selling, servicing, and racing, and off-roading and doing all kinds of great stuff with Toyotas. Uh, full disclaimer, Daryl, I don't know if you know this or not, mm. I work at Forts Toyota Pekin. No. And I can verify that Forts Toyota is Toyota to the core. Indeed, indeed. We'd like to say thank you also to Casey Law Office. They're on the web at clomorton.com. Casey Law Office is dedicated to an honest practice of law and will fight to get you the result you deserve. No matter what your legal needs, you can contact Gabe Casey at the Casey Law Office. Call or click to discuss your claim free of charge. Casey Law Office, a modern legal practice dedicated to solving your legal issue. You can visit them again, clomorton.com. That's C-L-O-M-O-R-T-O-N.com. You can also check out the new website, 309arena.com. Check him out on Instagram. He's got some neat stuff in the works. You'll definitely want to check that out if you're in the greater Morton area. So that that leads back to what <laughs> the armature <laughs> oh, story. Oh, gosh. Yeah. So, so I... I, I don't know what was it nine thirty at night. I was probably busy watching The Crown with my wife, and I looked down at my You're phone, sleeping in the recliner, and That's I see you, you guys have been going back and forth. We have a group chat amongst mm-hmm. us, us in the Casey uh, Law Center, and uh, apparently there's a problem with the starter on the HJ sixty one. I think it's HJ sixty one. HJ sixty one. Yeah, Lane Lane Cruiser. Cruiser, the diesel. It's uh, his pride and joy. Right-hand drive, uh, Japanese domestic market import. Yeah. And it's a, it's a diesel five-speed. So all of the things that normally you can't just, like, run to an O'Reilly's Auto Parts Nothing or your about, local Toyota dealer. That's what scares me about owning something like that. Yeah, and just yeah. be like, hey, I need this. It's it's never that simple. That's why I don't own a DB6, Daryl. Is that why? Yeah. Amongst the... <laughs> Amongst a couple other reasons, but exactly. no. So he was texting the other night, and it was like, "Hey, uh, my, you know, what's up with this thing? Won't start." And it was just a quick video, and it was a starter relay clicking. Oh, um, see, I didn't see the video. Yeah, it was probably four hours ahead of where we caught up. <laughs> where I caught on. Okay. Um, no, but we, basically, it was a no start condition, and you heard the relay clicking, but the thing wasn't starting. So you know, you and I, I think both kind of same same agreement, like. 
price. Starter's dead. Yeah. You know, if your battery voltage is good, cables are good, have the starter rebuilt. Well, he has a starter rebuilt, and then... Uh, Down at Quick Star in East Peoria, on my yeah. recommendation. Those guys, I, I love taking an existing starter or alternator into the, a place like that. Yeah. And it comes back with your casing, like, brand new. Oh, it's beautiful. Yeah, I remember uh, I took in my... Uh, I think one of those devices from my Kubota tractor, and they're like, oh, the casing was kind of cracked, so we had this other casing, put it on there, and I'm, it was perfect. They painted it and everything. and All the things that you like could probably do, but it would take you a month and a half. They do within 72 hours. Yeah, it's yeah. like, it's done, ready to pick up. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So long story short, uh, we went over to try to roll up our sleeves and, and, and lend a hand. Well, and, I, I showed up with my son to kind of just watch. Well, um, <laughs> that's pretty much what I did, but, uh, I was too afraid to mess with it. I, you know, 24 volt, 24 volt. And, uh, it had a little pigtail coming off and I'm like, I, I don't read manuals. And Gabe was so nice. And Gabe, if you're listening, uh, I wish you the best of luck, but, uh, he like even pulled up the manuals. Like here's how here's the bench testing procedure. Dude, that was stuff. the best. I'm like, oh, I'm like, cool. oh, this looks complicated. And here's the, here's my Cro Magnon man caveman brain. I just look at the pictures and be like, is this it? Is Red this wire, the... black wire. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's kind of not what I need to do anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, but long story short, that didn't work. So uh, it, cl- it clicked loudly. It clicked loudly, but was not. It almost sounded like that the Bendix wasn't coming out and engaging. Uh, but at the same time. I pulled it back off and took it back in, and they bench tested it, and it works. Yeah. And that guy knew the difference between 24 volt and 12 volt, it sounded like. So he called Gabe's bluff on that. We'll see what happens. I, I'm not sure what the next steps are, but, uh, we, we might have, we might have some, some updates. Yeah. So we, we thought about dragging around the, uh, the subdivision Morton by a, a tow. Yeah. Just to see if we could maybe, uh, free up that diesel motor and see if something was, I, I think you may have had some sound logic that maybe it was flooded or something like that. I, yeah, worst case scenario is where my brain always goes. And I, yeah. I thought, you know, injector leak down, hydrolock cylinder, and that's. Yeah. like, yeah, is there any way we can crank this engine over? I'm like, screw that. Let's just put it in drive. <laughs> just put drag, it, drag it around. Drag it in gear to see what happens. <laughs> the neighbors would love that, that's by how, the that's way. How, that's how, yeah, well, that's, <laughs> that's more what I was concerned about, that the association might be upset with the activities going on in the Casey household. You get so. the family kicked out of their house because yeah. some guys are dragging around a. Uh, never mind. Yeah, all, all right. All the while, my son was just like, what are you guys doing? I could, I could be sleeping. Yeah. I could be eating pancakes Check right out now. my sub. Anyway. <laughs> did have an awesome sub setup. <laughs> all right. This show is also brought to you by our Patreon subscribers. Thank you to everyone who's a Patreon subscriber. Uh, I saw some pictures this last week of Patreon subscribers opening their envelopes up of Throwing Wrenches swag that I sent out. So it wasn't much. It was some tidbits, but it was a little art project gone Gone maybe a little awry, but that Eric's out. being modest. They're a very nice little scale, almost exact scale replica, <laughs> uh, size decals of, uh, Volvo. of a 69 Volvo 142. Actually, it's a two door, so it's, it's much cooler. It's funny that I took that. I could have done tree hugger. I could have done anything, but I decided that Volvo <laughs> was the one to do. It's very cool. It's got kind of a, like a psychedelic, uh, 60s fonts going on. It follows. If you were shopping at Mother Murphy's 30 years ago, you would have bought this sticker. Oh yeah. Or yeah. anthropology. I could see anthropology selling something like this on a shirt. <laughs> Or like a sweater. Anyways. <laughs> All right. If you don't know my co-host, Daryl Scott, Bob Velia, you better check your framing hammer. Daryl Scott is starting a new podcast. He may call it This Old Peoria Heights House. You know, if that doesn't turn out, he'll be working on some competition for Jay Leno with Daryl Scott's Garage. That's Daryl Scott. <laughs> I wish. I wish I could turn most of our house into a garage. I would just live there. Um, and for those who don't know, uh, Eric Stahl, you know, they say... 
or maybe it was a famous televangelist said, Uh-oh. tough times don't last. Oh, wait, maybe they do. <laughs> well, so tough people do. But my co-host, Eric Stahl, whatever his secret is, it seems to be working for him. He never seems to tire, no matter how long his days are. The guy who burns the candle at both ends and uses that candle to then light a campfire and a mining lantern. Tough people. He's Eric Stahl. Yeah. Or well, they die young. I'm not sure, but, uh, you know. There's a Billy Joel song, isn't it? <laughs> Only the good die young. Yeah. We're still here. <laughs> Anyways. Come out, Virginia. Don't let it wait. Anyway. <laughs> karaoke edition tonight <laughs> all right also thanks for listening uh please share this on facebook and any other uh, social media outlet that you normally participate in you know i will tell you this daryl i have that? not shared this show on tiktok and i do have a tiktok do you have one i do Plan- I refuse planet to. stall is my tiktok is it really I, okay. I only have it because it's just one of those things you know that i i feel like you gotta like plant your flag like we did on the moon or like you know russia does down at the bottom of the seafloor and and the North Pole. Yes, TikTok is exactly like that. <laughs> it is exactly like. So I have Planet Stall staked out on TikTok, but Excellent. you know. But the next thing it shows up, I I, I do not have. What's the the new right wing website everybody's going to? Is it Parlay? Pa- parlor. 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 I do not have a parlor yet. Is it Parlay or Parlor? I thought it's it was, Parlor. I thought. I thought it was French. Everybody could be spelling it wrong. I don't know. I don't. I don't understand. Because somebody said something the other day, like, "Oh, Zuckerman." He, he abridged my post. I'm going to parlor. I'm out of here. <laughs> Thank God, right? You know, here's my thing, I, and it's not I'm anti TikTok or anti this or that. Like I, I didn't, I didn't get in Tumblr. I stopped at Instagram. I yeah, stopped at Instagram. I got a Tumblr. It, do you? Plant stall. <laughs> <laughs> at least you're consistent. Brand consistency. I like that. No, but for me, it was like I got tired of having different logins. And, yeah. you know, I could never get the same one. It'd be like, oh, dscott.71.r. <laughs> you know. See, that's the thing. Planet Stall, I own that one everywhere. The beer report, I always got jumping early everywhere. Yeah. But, uh, but no, Planet Stall, I, I usually got that one. Interesting. Yeah. All right. Well, I'll give you a Planet give you Scott may be available there. It might be. It might be. We could be in orbit together. We could. Yeah. We could. Anyway, also, uh, there are thousands of gearheads out there. If you know anybody should be on the show. Yeah. Um, there, there's actually... Daryl and I talked about this a little bit in the pre-show, and if you don't get in the pre-show, that's just something the Patreon subscribers get, but I will clue you in right now. We were talking about this winter. Uh, I don't foresee that COVID's going to make the show any easier to record, so um, I've gotten some feedback from listener Mike saying, you've got to figure out a way to do remote shows and, and figure out a way to do interviews of people outside the studio. Daryl and I are in complete agreement on that, so we're going to try and figure out some things we can do in the future. Uh, you know, we're trying to get... Dude, I've been trying to get the Cobra Man from Washington. You know, I, I, I've, I've touched feelers a couple times on that. But, yeah. but honestly, if COVID stays as bad as it is, I don't see why he would even want to come to us and do a show. I understand that completely. So, you know, and, and there's a situation where we may not even be able to do a remote show with him. But other people, like we talked about Chris Ruby, we talked about Dean Plumador, uh, you know, it may just come down to the fact we have to do these shows remotely. And I, I hate to say it, but uh, you know, that's what it is. I'm fine to do that. I think it's it's more of a challenge for you know bandwidth and internet if you're if you're <laughs> for living me out in the Stone Age. Well, yeah, and it's dude, it's not just you. I mean, you're you're, you're definitely one of the more vocal <laughs> friends that I have about it. <laughs> but I'll tell you what, it's especially now that uh, kids are learning from home. People are supposed to be the expect expectation. I can't talk tonight. Okay. Is to work from home. All this virtual, virtual, virtual stuff is great. If you live in an area where you have fiber or you have high-speed internet, and there's a good swath of this country that still doesn't. Yeah. And that's not necessarily a horrible thing. It's just we need to deal and address it. Uh, and cell phone service 
if you live in a rural area that doesn't have great internet service, chances are you're far enough from the nearest cell tower too. So, you know, I think it's opened everybody's eyes a little bit. I just think we need to, I don't know if it's subsidized or. If- I got to, so Mackinac set my son a Wi-Fi hotspot for high school. And the school con- district did? The school district did. Oh, wow. And then I contacted SIU because they kicked my daughter out until January you know, next year. Yeah, I yeah. said, hey, uh, we don't have internet here. Can you guys help us out? And they're like, oh, yeah, we'll send you a, a Verizon MiFi hotspot. Really? Yeah, but it's uh, it's only got 10 gigs on it. It's on a card. Okay. Like, so once she goes through the next 10 gigs, it's on you. The cool thing about college, I, this is good or bad, and I'm sorry, I'm not going to tangent too hard. No, here. no, it's cool. The high school, they have a gate. And they won't let you do anything outside of Google Classroom, I think. Right. There might be a few other websites you can go to, but it's not a whole lot. Whereas Carbondale is like, oh, she can do whatever she wants. She can sit there and watch Netflix if she wants, but she's going to burn through the data, and then that's on you. So, right. you know, that's typical college mentality, right? It, sure. You, know. you can do what you want. You're an adult now. Yeah, exactly. Choices. So if you eat chocolate the whole time, <laughs> then you're going to get fat. <laughs> uh, I still remember going back. Freshman year, I went to the barber shop, you know, for I think it was Thanksgiving or Christmas break. I came back, and it's the first time I was back there, you know. And uh, the barber looks at me, he goes, "Freshman fifteen, damn boy, it's more like freshman fifty, damn freshman 50. And since COVID hit, uh, that I, I will say I've put on a fair amount of weight. Have you? Yeah, I, I think yeah, I have. Okay, different to me. Well, thanks, but uh, I think it's just the close proximity to snacks and beverages. So I'm taking this week off for Thanksgiving here. <clears throat> which I've ne- I've never done that in my life. I've never taken this week off because generally I don't want to be home when the whole family's home. To me, to me it's better to have them do all the <laughs> oh, decorating and the cooking. I'm like, eh, I got to stay at work. I got stuff right. to do. But it's busy. The way things are going right now, I'm like, you know what? I lost all my vacations this year, so I'm just going to take I'm gonna take my final week of vacation to stay home. Why not? But what sucks is, is I'm sitting here bored. I'm like, ah, I wonder what's in the fridge. Mm-hmm. And if I'm at work, I'm eating salads. I'm eating... I'm, I'm eating uh, an apple or an orange because I've only brought that to eat. Right, yeah. And I'm not going to the vending machine because I'm drinking cheap. tons of coffee or water. Yeah, yeah exactly. Because it's free. Yeah, but uh, no, <laughs> dude, I, I could see putting on a bunch of weight if I was home all the time. So I, good luck getting I, through that. And it's all like decent stuff, but still, at the end of the day, it's like I just need to stop. I need to quarantine myself in the basement. Good, good luck. Yeah, I, I can't even use that word anymore. It just takes on a whole different dark, dark name. Bob Belia. Uh, so All right. So uh, that's where we're at right now. That's the COVID times, and uh, we'll keep plugging on doing the show. We're sorry it's been about 30 days since the last one, but uh, I had an election. That's, I'll blame myself for the first two weeks of that whole thing. You're a very busy man. We didn't talk about that on the pre-show. That would have been a good show. No, no. Yeah, but uh, – and then – and then the holidays coming up here and COVID and things are just getting kind of strange. So, uh, we knew we had to get the show out, but, uh, hopefully we'll have a, a super secret special Christmas show coming out. If we can oh, talk something good. else in there it'll too. Be good. Yeah. Daryl. Yeah. What projects you had going on lately? Cause I haven't seen you in a month. You've had to have like a garage. You got five cars shoved in a three car garage. What's going on? <laughs> just nothing. Just, just tucked them away for winter. And I think I did it prematurely cause it was actually nice. We had a couple yeah. 60, 70 yeah. degree days. And uh, there were a couple where I thought about digging something out, but I'm on those antique plates on the old stuff. So at the end of October, I try to... You honored the system. I try to... There's a couple times where I, you know, drive around the neighborhood or something, but I don't even trust... People are so crazy on the the roads right now. I'm not taking the old stuff out until I'm, like, legally protected. Anyways, um, I haven't been doing too much. I've been watching... A fair amount of YouTube, as I talked about in the pre-show. Yeah. 
uh, watching right now a lot of upholstery videos because that's the next big oh, task in yeah. the, uh, the, the Chrysler. The Chrysler requires a lot of upholstery. Oh, it's gonna be it's gonna be awful. And all of mine, the front seat actually, it's a nice sixty forty bench split seat. Um, the front seat is actually intact, so I can use that as patterns and take that and drop it off, and you know uh, that won't be a problem. The back seat is a, it's almost like a bomb went off. <laughs> it's like a mixture of like rat pieces, mouse debris, uh, burlap, uh, some steel springs, and a little bit of naga hide. It's gross. What, so. what uh, movie was that? Was it American Graffiti where they go across the border and have the upholstery done on the car? I think it's Cheech and Chong. Is it a Cheech and Chong? <laughs> it's Cheech and Chong. I think it might, no, I don't remember. <laughs> they fill it with, with horse manure or something like that. Yeah, there's, or there's one where the whole car is made of a substance that was recently legalized here in Illinois. <laughs> right. yeah. um, no, but I'm just I'm watching a lot of these videos thinking like, is there is there something we can do? My wife's handy. She likes to sew. Oh, and she's yeah. pretty good. I'm like, yeah. needlepoint, right? There's no way. There's no way. Upholstery is such a, it's a, it's a totally different thing. I put seat covers on a car yeah. once and I'm like, I didn't do that bad, but I don't want to do that again. So I'm watching all these things kind of psyching myself up for what might you know, be a problem because when I drop that stuff off, I'm just going to pay whatever it costs. And I don't know. So there's like seven upholstery companies now in the area. I mean, yeah. there's, there's some guys who now are retired, like cat guys making their own upholstery shops, but then there's the classics, there's Harold's in Peoria. But it seems to me like right now there's never been a better time to need upholstery work in Peoria, right? Yeah. When I first moved here, I think there was one. And yeah. it was the one guy in Peoria just down the street from me. It's actually not that far. Yeah. Um, but now there's there's quite a few to choose from. So we'll see. I haven't even – part of me wants to even drop the thing off and be like, can you just, just tell me what to expect? But at the end of the day, I'm probably just going to just do it and pay whatever it takes. Uh, it sucks. But uh, that's it. But – and I'm not – I don't want to take this on too long. Yeah, yeah. It, it, 20 years ago, if I would need to upholster something mm-hmm. – I might have saw some pictures some guy did. He might have had some Polaroids he put together and said, hey, this is what it looks like when you flip the seat. I mean, you have the benefit right now of watching a video. And right. it's just like how I learned. To, I, I, I could cook anything right now from YouTube. I right. could watch somebody make a tiki masala and I'd be like, I, I can make a tiki masala as long as I got the ingredients. I could, ingredients. I could pull this thing off. Sure, yeah. Um, I would think doing an upholstery job would be a lot less – I'd be I'd less fearful of that whole – process by watching a video of somebody pull a seat, flip it over and start doing some stuff, right? Yeah, and I can rebuild the, you know, the metal frame and, you know, the springs and things. I'm 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 probably capable of doing that. But my wife's more the the sewer. I I don't know how to sew. I can't even sew buttons on. And okay. I was in the scouts, so, so I should. But the thing would is you have flat would you just have like flat lengths of fabric that you have to stitch? Is that what you have or what? It would be yeah, and all kinds of things like French seams where you have the two pant, you know, like a cloth insert and a vinyl side. So you're not getting them actually f- set up like if I buy a seat cover for a Camry. Oh, they don't make them for this. That's the thing. That's okay. The thing. Okay. Yeah, right. like if it was a 55 Chevy or a, you know, a 69 Camaro, I could order seat covers from year 1. Order foam, order everything I need, and build the seat up, and just put hog rings on, and be done. Okay. Whereas this car, it's like there nobody makes anything off the shelf, so you actually have to sew like, <laughs> sew the whole thing together with the piping on the edges and all. Because I don't, nothing looks worse in a in a nice car than a crappy interior. Yeah, it looks like a steak and shake, uh... <laughs> like a booth. <laughs> <laughs> A booth that's been in there for ten years. Is that leather? No, it's not leather at all. It's no. it's pleather. I got it at Hobby Lobby. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's great. No, that looks terrible to me. So 
uh, searching searching out some ideas, but probably at the end, my, my, Sarah's Sarah, my wife's already said like I'm I don't want nothing to do with this. So whatever. Uh, and then I also got another lead on a, a '58 owner. Uh, it lives out in Macomb, and he's got a he's got like two or three parts cars. And so um, I'm probably going to get in touch with him. Oh, that'd be great. Yeah. Yeah, and Gabe, pick... Gabe Casey was just saying he's got some uh, some vacant space. <laughs> does, Sarah, does Sarah know about that? Yeah, she does. Oh, she great. does. I'm, I'm just missing. Did you a empty few a storage pieces. unit recently? No, oh, okay. no, I should, I should, but I haven't. I've just added. To <laughs> this it. is me taking a dagger and shoving it in Daryl's gut yeah. and twisting it. It's fine. It's yeah. fine. So speaking of excess vehicles, oh, and yeah. vehicles right. that need I guess work, I should be careful when I projects. What, let's talk about your stuff since here. I let you go first. Yeah. So we got the 90 Supra. I think we talked about that. Beautiful car. I saw it. It's not beautiful, but it's, it's adequate. It's, it's nice. nice car. It's got nice some car. dents that need to be pulled out. I still have a, a bill I need to pay on that thing. Anyway, uh, <laughs> my son calls. It's a dad. Dad. I'm like, what? It's 3 o'clock in the afternoon after school one day. He goes, uh, Supra won't go anywhere. I'm like, this is his mom is down at training down in Mount Vernon, Illinois, and conveniently, he couldn't find the keys to his forerunner, so he asked if he could drive the Supra to school that week. And me, being the good guy dad, because I'm a, a moron, I said, that's fine. You can drive the Supra until you find the keys to your forerunner. Well, guess what? When Mom got home, he found those keys real fast. Yeah, um, okay. Anyway, so he calls me at 3 o'clock the afternoon on Friday and says, Dad, the car won't drive. It'll start, but it won't go into gear. I'm like, well, what happens? I push The clutch pedal doesn't come back up. I'm like, great. Like, is there anything leaking? Do you see anything on the ground? No, don't see anything. So, um, ultimately, I had to have the car towed. I went there myself. I tried to. I checked the the pedal. The pedal was dead. I didn't see a fluid on the ground. Uh, but as it turned out, once I got the the car back to the shop, the uh, the fluid was inside the cabin. It, you know, the master cylinder oh, okay. leaked out. So pushed he, past that seal. And, he yeah. wouldn't have saw it. But and this is my argument. Like, <laughs> I. I I don't want to fault my son. And I told him, I said, you didn't do this. But the problem is you don't recognize the signs when something is going wrong. Something could have been going wrong with that pedal before, earlier that like day. Like on the drive the, to school. or yeah. yeah, and you should have saw the warning signs that, oh, the clutch is weak or something's wrong. But you didn't. And that's that's the problem I have. So uh got that fixed. And the next week we go uh, over to my mom and dad's over in Bloomington to have dinner with them. And he shows up in the super. I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, oh, I thought, you know. This is actually this is during autocross. We came back from autocross, dude. It was such a busy weekend. I could talk about. I gotta talk about the autocross too. <laughs> so you were out east. I was in Rantoul yeah. doing autocross. Yeah. So Summer and I drove back from autocross and met Angela. Well, Angela had gone to autocross to bring us lunch and watch how the second half of the day went. Then Aiden met us in Bloomington at my mom and dad's. Well, he didn't drive his truck. He drove the Supra. It's racking up some miles. Yeah, exactly. On it. So he gets back. He calls me halfway back from Bloomington. And says, "Dad." The radio went out. What do I do? And I'm like, what do you want me to tell you, dude? The radio went out. You know, it's it's yeah. a it's a 30 year old car. It's got antique plates. I'll get into this. Uh, I said you got to treat it like an old lady. But anyway, he gets back to the house, and I start to look. I'm like, well, all right, well, I'll tell you what. There's a fuse panel. I'll try and see if I can find the radio fuse because generally, in my experience, if the radio goes out, somebody probably tripped the 12 volt for the accessory fuse, and you probably screwed that up. But as he is I walked around and I couldn't find the fuse block on this car, which is a 1990. So realistically, I don't know where it's at on that car. I've never looked at a 1990 Supra fuse panel. Uh, I go to pop the hood and I see streaks all over the hood, and I'm like, "What is this?" Pop the hood, antifreeze everywhere under the hood. <laughs> no. I'm like, "Did you notice this?" 
No. I, I saw something. I used a windshield wiper a couple times. I'm like, did you look at the heat gauge? Did you do anything? And this is. Did it smell like brown sugar yes, in the car? Yes. Yes. I just, I'm like, yeah, did you smell anything? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't, know, I don't know. I'm like, this, listen, dude, I'm not, I'm not trying to begrudge you, but you, you have to. It's there, t- the car talks to you. It you does. Gotta, you can let you know. I'm, I'm going to tell you a story. Um, let's go back in the way back machine. <laughs> um, back in the eighties, my buddy in high school, his dad had like a sixties Jag. It was, it was British racing green mm-hmm. and it sat in a little garage about four blocks from his house with the top down all the time. And it was always dead. And about 1 a.m. in the morning, after we'd been drinking a couple beers, we'd always run over there and we'd take that thing and push it down the street and push start it and get it fired up. Seriously. But we wouldn't do anything stupid with it. We'd just drive around a little bit. Just buzz around. Because he always said, I gotta be gentle with it. It's my dad's car. You know, I can't do anything stupid. It wasn't like the Ferris Bueller's dad. Definitely Ferrari. not the Ferris Bueller's Cameron's car. dad's Ferrari. Yeah. And, and so I told this story to my son thinking maybe it would resonate with him. You gotta treat it like an old lady. It is a Supra. Yeah. It's a Japanese sports car. Technically, yeah, it it should be able to accommodate whatever load you're putting on it. But we don't know this car. We've had this car like two months. Yeah, you're still learning it, and it's yeah. 30 years old. So I don't know. I, I My problem is if I let a 16 year or 17-year-old drive a 30-year-old car, can I trust him not to destroy it? And I'm just not sure I'm at that point in my life. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's a tough lesson to learn, yeah. especially at that age where it's cool and he knows it's cool, and he respects the cool he factor. He loves the cool. I'm going to tell you, there's something about flip-up headlights and a target top. Yeah. Dude. Super it, it, cool. It drives the kids nuts nowadays. Yeah, they absolutely love that. That, to me, was garish 20 years ago. Yeah. It's like, I'm like, this car is so out of date. You know, right. but nowadays, you look back and go, yeah, not so bad. Yeah, you see yeah. like the old 300Zs and or, or even Corvettes from the 80s. Which some of them are, are neat and cool, but you yeah. see them now. And you're We've done like, a show. I mean, we talked about them on the last show. We liked them so much. So. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's fun, but then you, they're they're a time capsule, yeah. and they look like nothing else today. They're as cool to kids today as like the muscle cars were when yeah. we were growing up, yeah. because or even like '60s or '50s cars. You know, it's just like something totally different. But at the same time, I remember like a couple times my dad let me drive. You know, in high school, he had a '71 Nova that we worked on and redid and stuff. It was of course you did because it was a Chevy, beautiful car. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful car. But I remember dropping, he let me drive, you know, drive a ticket to homecoming and take it to prom and, you know, take my girlfriend out and stuff like that. And I remember the first night I drove that thing and it was a, it was a 350 three speed. It was a, a rainy night and I remember getting it crossed up in the, in the rain. And, uh, I didn't hit it at a curb or I didn't crash it or anything, but I came close to scaring the, bejesus out of myself did, did a 180 or a i did a 180 in an intersection it was on a, a kind of a bank curve going into my subdivision and i kind of spun out there's nobody on the road it's like 10 30 11 o'clock at night still home before curfew whatever but i remember spinning out and like killed the car you know like it you know let the clutch out just stalled it and i remember sitting there for a second and just having like a mini freak out <laughs> because i just you know thought my dad's gonna kill me my dad's gonna kill me but my dad also always he always told me with that car, like the first time I took it out, I'm like, he's like, what do you think? I'm like, it scares me. And he's like, you can't drive, you can't let the car drive you. We have to drive it. Like get control of it. It's a, it's a machine. It's cool. It's fast. It's fun. It's whatever, but you have to be in control of it at all times. And that's probably the same thing you're telling your son. Like you have to be, you can't just like turn the key and just like drive it and be oblivious. Yeah. Like it's talking to you. You have to well, be Well, I think part the unfortunate it. thing is the newer cars, you can be oblivious. I know. Dude, I know. The, the new Supra, because I, 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 you know, the same day he's driving the old Supra, the 30-year-old Supra, I'm driving the 2020 GR home, mm-hmm. and no matter how hard you stop the gas on that thing, 
it will not let you get sideways. It just won't do it. Yeah. You know, you'd have to turn off everything. And even then, I still think the car would be like, no, nah, you didn't mean to do that. You know, <laughs> it'll it, override it. It would still stop you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, I don't know, man. It's, uh, we'll get there. more seat time. So, so here's where we are. The car was blowing antifreeze all over my driveway. <laughs> I pushed it into the garage and put the cover on. I said, we'll worry about it in the spring. We'll see you in March. It's probably, it's not a big deal. Well, I don't know, that inline, that, uh, it's a non-turbo, so the non-turbos I don't think have, uh, as big of an issue with the blown head gasket, but, but if you drove it hot, you'd have a blown head gasket. We'll see. I don't know. Eh, I don't know. I, the nice thing about that engine is, even if the head gasket's blown, the lower half of the engine's stout enough, it can handle anything, so I'm, I'm not worried about that. You know, if I have to pull the head, take down the peak machine, Whatever it Mill is, it, what it is, check I'll, it. I'll, I'll deal with it. But uh, ideally, it's a radiator hose. I mean, everything's been overdone in that engine. Uh, I, I hope it's just a radiator. Yeah, I will tell you this: heat was not really good on the passenger side. Could be a heater hose. The, the core could be plugged too. Yeah, it's hard to say. Yeah, anything's possible, especially if it's sat for a while yeah. and you're just starting to kind of put some miles on it. Yeah. So yeah. So if the core is plugged, that could be possible. It could just blown some pressure on an old hose or a clamp. The one thing I'll say, you know. Customers come in all the time. They're like, "Oh yeah, replace my belts, replace my hoses." I'm like, "Dude, we don't replace hoses anymore. It's not. This isn't yeah. the '80s. Yeah. This isn't even the '90s. I mean, we don't replace hoses. You could drive a car for three hundred thousand miles nowadays, original hoses, and that just blows people's minds. It's so, insane. It, when yeah. you think about it, uh, you know, you'll be in the junkyard pulling parts or something, and you'll see old date coated hoses from like 1992 or something. Yeah. You're like, "But that's not. It's that's." That's what it is now. They've, yeah. they've made the, uh, the materials are so good. Oh, yeah. You know, meanwhile, I mean, any old vehicle I've got, like my 55 Plymouth, it's still got the old, like, remember the red? I can't remember what hoses? those hoses were probably made out of back then. I, like balloons? Probably real rubber trees. <laughs> real natural rubber. <laughs> this yeah. is the, the stock of a juvenile rubber tree. It's hilarious, but it breaks down. It's like anything else that's made of natural stuff. It breaks down over time. The newer synthetic stuff. Remember when Goodyear came out with those, the high milers? No. It was like the the blue silicone hoses. You'd see them on like Mustangs and cop cars, and no, you're you're out of my league on that one. Yeah, it's Goodyear had their own brand. I think it was called High Milers, and they were they were made with some silicone. Okay, magic. I'll trust and you on this. They had a blue tinge. They were really kind of neat, and so that was always the con- like you know if you were super cool, like yeah, I replaced all my hoses with the <laughs> with the silicone High Milers, yeah. and for like a couple years that was cool, and then everyone's yeah. like. Who cares? Cool. And uh, anyway, it depends on the crowd you're hanging out with. Okay. So the one, this, the 90 Super Story is probably putting the, the cart before the horse because earlier that day, I'd been over to the last autocross over at Champaign County Sports Car Club over in Rantoul. That's right. Uh, the Supra, which we talked about in the last episode, that had been stolen. We finally got the keys set up. It was cool. The keys were sent to us from Toyota, already programmed to the car. Never seen that in my entire life where you can just get in a car and they're good to go. Was it just using the VIN? Yeah. Wow. Wild. That's so, pretty so cool wild. stuff. We still had to delete some other keys out of it and stuff, so there was still some some programming to it. But uh, So this is the first, the, the, the Super's triumphant return, basically. Yeah. And it was funny because the first half of the day over at Champaign County while you're doing the autocross, the Rantoul guys have an announcer on 88.3. I think it was a radio station. They broadcast over there. You turn on your radio in the car, you can hear your times, I'll tell you. Oh, and, neat. And they'll have a little commentary depending on the guy who's doing the calling. And uh, this Asian guy, broken English, he's like, it's a gone in 60-second Supra. <laughs> it was, oh, really? It was. Ah. A, I'm like, oh, that's a decal for the car for sure. We're going to be gone in 60 seconds. I told Pat Portis, you look up the video footage and see. 
how many actual seconds it took for this car to be stolen. It'll be gone in 108 or one. Pretty know, much. Anyway. Um, well, they have a big, is, is the Champaign County, um, did, did, uh, sports car club, do they have a, a pretty big, is it Asian American contingent that is, are they students at U of I? So that was my, my experience in the past. I will tell you though, I, I'm not seeing that so much right now. Back when, I would say a year or two ago when I first started doing this, uh, it didn't seem like the events were nearly as populated, but I ran into a bunch of guys, new guys from Chicago, Springfield, Decatur, guys who'd never done autocross before. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it seemed like when I first showed up there like two years ago, there was a lot of Asian American kids who were going to the university who were taking their BMWs and stuff out there. And I, oh, cool. I did not really experience that this time. Okay. Uh, but no, this guy, I think he was a regular and a uh, nice guy. But uh, So the car has a little reputation now, which is kind of funny. For those who don't, for those who don't know, uh, listen to the last episode. Yeah, listen, yeah I'm not going to go through the whole thing again, but yeah, it's a 1990 GR Supra, and I will tell you this: it's probably one of the only ones in the autocross circuit, especially sanctioned by a, a dealership. I've seen maybe one or two being autocrossed, but they have their own class right now. Uh, they're, they're BS, uh, is it Built Street or something like that? But um, it's uh, anyway. I'll, I'll, let Let's just say this: it's. The third time the car was out to autocross in uh, this season. This season, yeah, was, I drove it twice. Our train race car driver Harper drove it once. Uh, another technician drove it the second time, and uh, I drove it once before. But I, I was dreadful the first time. I don't, I don't know what the, I don't know if my adrenaline was raging. I was trying to keep up with Harper that time. Mm. Harper's, Harper's good. He's a Mustang guy, and uh, there was no way in the world I was going to keep up with him. And Pat Fort was there too. I scratched like eight of nine runs that day. It was, I was terrible. And I, and I said, and I think we talked about this in a previous show. I'm like, well, I got to do this again. I got to race this car again, uh, just so I, I can say that I'm not a complete fool. I don't know some self justification there, but uh, so this time my whole thing was I'm not going to scratch, and I didn't scratch. I had ten. I think it was. Uh, do we have eight or nine runs? I think it was either eight or ten runs. I think it was eight. That's a lot of runs. That's not over eight hours. I mean, literally one run an hour. But uh, I they were all clean, and if I hit a cone, it was one or two the whole day. So I was thrilled with that. Uh, I didn't have the best times. I still beat my kid. That's all I really cared about. But uh, <laughs> but uh, an Audi sedan of some sort beat me by half second for BS. Uh, so it is what it is. But uh, again, for me, I was just just trying to keep myself inside the cones, sure. just trying to keep the day going. Now, at the end of the day, Kevin Burba, who runs a uh, Scion, or I'm sorry, a Toyota 86, which is the old Scion. Uh, FRS mm, yep, yep. or, uh, yeah. And he, he was like, Oh, you need to watch the videos. You need to do this. He, he gave me a link, honestly, dude, to some 1970s YouTube stuff that I've never seen in my life, but it was cool. It was about how to hit apex on the cones and stuff like that. And then, um, another guy was riding with me. He's like, your hands, you got to put your hands here. And then Dean, when I got done at the end of the day, Dean's like, we need to sit down with you and you do some, you know, we need to do some lessons. I'm like, Dean, I, I'm so thrilled you guys feel that way. I, and with the red Celica, I drove the crap out of that for a whole season. Uh, this car I drove twice this year. Yeah. You know, I, I appreciate the criticism and I'm going to, I'm going to watch the videos and I'm going to do what I can. Sure. But I told Dean, I said, seat time is what matters. If I would have done five or six sessions with this car this year, there's no doubt I would have been, you know, been right. all over it. But it, the fact is, I was just happy the second time I got to race this year. 
that I didn't have to worry about distractions of employees right. or everybody yeah. else. I was, dude, it was a three ring circus the last time I went. You're, You're a little more sure in, happy. A so. little more in your element. Well, yeah. and, and the, you've taken that car out on like road rallies and a couple other different but that's, types. That's different. Yeah. 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 Not necessarily. I, I know the car. I, 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 I feel like I have a good feel of the car and I feel like I could represent the car. Uh, you know, but. Yeah. Racing the car. You can't, you can't do two autocrosses in a year and then. Think you know what you're doing? So. No, very true, very yeah. true. That's not your daily. It's, it'd be a totally different thing. Right? I don't even think it'd be a daily. You know, here's the thing. I haven't talked about this. this. Wasn't even the pre-show notes, folks. We go through a very meticulous pre-show process. We go through all Absolutely. the notes, and and this is not in the notes. So we're <laughs> going to go off script right now. I drove that car home before the autocross, and as I'm going down 155 from from North Peak, I, I turn off of 74 474 onto 155 to go south. A guy in a I don't know. I would call it a ninja motorcycle because back when I was a kid, a ninja was a sport oh, yeah. bike. You know, yeah. guy pulls up beside me. He's got a helmet on. Thank God he's got that on. And he gives me a nod. He just pulls up beside me and gives me a nod. And I know what that nod is like. Want to go? Yeah. Want to go? Yeah, of course and it is. Nobody in front of me. And I'm like, ah, I'm, I'm just past Queenwood on uh, 155. I'm like, all right. So <laughs> I just jump on it. You know, the car goes. And that dude's like, mm, and next thing you know, he had to be doing 150 miles an hour when he peeled away from me. Finally, yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, and when I looked down, I was doing a healthy, healthy number. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was mm-hmm. definitely in the three digits. And, uh, maybe anyway. Sure. Yeah. I know Mr. Fort listens, so I won't go too deep into that. I'll tell him the story face to face if I have to. It was a nice, you, you exercised the vehicle. It was. It was. Yeah. I, I got Stretch it going. But, but then on Monday morning after autocrossing, I'm coming back to work. I get off of 155, I'm on 474, and what happens? Guy in a Mustang pulls up beside me and gives it a, mm-hmm. you know, and looks at me, and I'm like, here we go again. Yeah. You know, yeah. so I find myself in three digits on 474, and I'm like, and <laughs> that Monday morning, I think uh, Todd Thompson, he owns some McQuets Railhouse and some other businesses in Pekin, uh, he needed a car to drive. I said, hey, drive the Supra, you know, take it out for a spin. This guy... He's got some money. He'll be all right. He knows how to handle it. And sure. His wife had a BMW, so he knows the shifter thing and all that stuff. And uh, he came back. He threw the keys at me that later that day. He goes, dude, if I own that car, I get a speeding ticket. I'd be in trouble. And I'm like, uh, let me tell you, dude. Yeah. I know all about it. Easy. You couldn't own that car. For, it's easy to do. No, for months. You couldn't own it for years and not expect your your insurance wouldn't double or triple. Yeah, and, and I'll tell you what. When I when I had my Mustang uh, for, for 16 years, the first few years when it was new – I got that every stoplight, really? every day, to and from work. <laughs> you know, I was my daily driver. And I, I remember when the Dodge, like the Rumblebee trucks came out or like the, the Sport Rams, like with the, I don't know, like the blue with the white stripes and the, yeah, a little you bit. know, the yeah, 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 SSTs. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. All those guys, when, the, you know, the Hemi came back out, there's like, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to walk this Mustang. And like, dude, it never, it never <laughs> happened ever. And they would, all, and finally, after like a couple of months of that, I just, it was, I just stopped doing it. It was it was fun and uh, to a point, but I was I was I was just done with it, and it became this big distraction where everybody you'd be like, you know, you know your girlfriend, or you know, like one time I'd be taking my mom to the bakery and <laughs> oh, some my guy wife would pull would up, freak out if I were to do that with her. In the oh, this is the worst. Yeah, I used to I used to carpool with my mom for a while. I was you know, guy pull up and room rooms. She's like looking at me like, don't like, what are you like, don't don't bother, mom. He's calling her honor into question. No, you don't understand. I'm a 23 year old man. 
and then I wouldn't do it. Anyways, <laughs> no, it's cool. It's a fun story, and I'm glad that th- I'm glad that the super got back on the tarmac. That's great. No, it was fun, and uh, definitely that that car is fun. <laughs> Race daily kill. Rah! This is a four car challenge steel cage grudge match. Feel like we had like a monster truck rally or I think, something. I think uh, Joe Rogan does it that way. That's why I try to imitate that. You know, he's he's M- definitely one of the MMA imitate. thing. Yeah. Oh yeah. When are you going to shave your head and take creatine and uh, start working <laughs> it's out? It's all natural, but is it take creatine? Of yeah. course not. Yeah. Uh, course not. All right. So this one gets a little weird, Daryl, because I I had this whole dream in my head when I dreamed up race daily race daily race daily kill a couple weeks ago. I was going to have. All the classic El Camino style truck cars. Okay. But okay. then, because I'm not educated in the subject, and you would have stopped me probably early on this process, I found the, nah. the Ford Ranchero and I found the Chevy El Camino, but I could not believe for the life of me that Dodge should not have any kind of vehicle that was a car truck mm. until the 1982 Dodge Rampage. Right. And I find that the Dodge Rampage, which I remember that car. Oh, yeah. Uh, that car really was just a ripoff of the. The Subaru Barat, as far as I was concerned. So what I did this week, Daryl, I took those two classic cars from the 70s. Mm-hmm. Those cars ran for years and years. I think they ran into the 80s. Actually, no, no. That that actually might be about the end of those runs on those cars. Uh, 86 by the uh, – or 86 or 7 for the El Camino. Was it? Okay. Yeah. But I think the Ranchero I, – I think Ranchero – I think it was done in 79. Uh, that sounds about right. Yeah. Yeah. So, but they actually came out first, 57. Did they? They came out in 57, and then El Camino was 59. So Ford was ahead of the game, and then they, they shut it down okay. early. But then the Baja Brat didn't actually come into the American market until 1982. And I think they were in 81. They were in Australia. They were neat cars based on the, I believe it's the Loyal or whatever, like the you know, the old school Subarus yeah. in the ends. Basically. I'm sure that was a frame-on body back then. Yeah, it's just a basically a station wagon. All these cars, yeah. basically a station wagon. Cut the box, you know, cut the the back seats out and the cargo area. Same floor. In fact, the El Camino is the same floor and everything as the uh, you know Malibu wagon. So yeah. if you but, if you need parts, you can always scarf them from there. But then 1982 Dodge introduces the Dodge Rampage, which is there. I mean, okay, so they're late to the game, but at least they were the last ones in the game. Mm-hmm. They had the Dodge Rampage, which basically looks like a K car. With a bed on it. Which is what it was. Yeah. And they had a Plymouth variant of that called the Scamp. Oh, I did not oh, know yeah. that. Yeah, and actually the later Scamps are cool because they have the, the, what the, the, the Turismo, like the four, the four headlight nose and stuff on it. And actually a nicer looking car. Dude, I bet that's actually kind of a decent little find nowadays. I know. I got a guy, I got a guy <laughs> in my car club's got like two of these things. Are you serious? Yeah, and I'm like, oh, I haven't seen one of those in years. And then I trip over another one in his backyard. I'm like, yeah, I got a couple. Well, of course you do. So here's a challenge, Daryl. Yeah. I want you to take two cars from the 70s. Okay. And and then I want you to take two cars from the 80s. I want you to compare the, the two of each. Okay. And then I want you to come to a pentultimate car here in the Race Daily Kill Challenge. All right. So it's still a Race Daily Kill, but we're killing some off early. Yes, exactly. Okay. All right. I get you. I get you. So there's four. There's three. Carry the one. I wasn't good at math. Uh, neither was <laughs> I Eric. Made, I made it extra complicated. I'm sorry. <laughs> so it's fine. Yeah, yeah. All right. So so the the the... the, the, the Candidates this week, 79 Ford Ranchero with a 351 uh, and, and kind of your, your basic options there. And a 79 El Camino with, uh, and look at the specs on here. The standard motor in that was a 3.3 liter V6, which is a, kind of a dog. Um, so between the two of those, I would actually go with the, the El Camino. I would pick I would pick that 
to, to move on to the next round mm-hmm. as far as my full, you know, mid-size, full-size American cars. The Rancheros are decent, and that 351M is actually, you know, pretty decent kind of for the 70s, I'll say, <laughs> motor. Uh, it's the modified taller deck Cleveland block. It's just kind of a big torque monster, but it's just a dog. And to be honest, like the earlier 70s Rancheros, kind of cool. They actually made a Ranchero Squire that had wood paneling and stuff. Oh, no way. It was like a, basically like a Torino wagon, but, <laughs> but a Ranchero. But then they got gross. They got really, that's got the, the 79's got the stacked headlights uh, and the, like the fake rolls grill kind of thing. Like, it sounds like a family truckster front end looking to it. Yeah. Yes. Uh, just gross. So for that reason alone, I'm going to go with the El Camino out of the big dogs there. Um, and then it's, do you want me to go with the eighties now? Or do you want yeah, to? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. The eighties, the smaller ones, um, 81 Subaru Brat or an 82 Dodge Rampage. As much as I love, and the older I get, the more I like and appreciate the K car for what it was. I'm going to have to go with the, uh, the, the Brat because, you know, all wheel drive. I'm, I'm shocked by that selection because I, I mean, you are a K car apologist. I do. I do love the K cars. In fact, <laughs> I've got a tip on a, a nice LeBaron convertible right now at Roanoke Chrysler. 56,000 mile that's car. That's just what you need. Turbo. It's a turbo. Oh, that's even better. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, got a Supra, I'll sell you. <laughs> cool. <laughs> so it needs to work. Anyways, this, this brat, I think would be fun because I could just, I could see somebody getting in the, in the, this thing and going into the middle of a muddy farm field and just having a blast. So it'd be, and that would make it a Baja blast, if you oh, will. Oh, ha ha ha. For Mountain Dew jokes. <laughs> so out of the, t- <laughs> the two of those, I would have to say, Kill the rampage, I would kill the ranchero. I would I would daily the El Camino, and I would race the Baja just because you'd have a lot of fun with that thing. I really do. No turbos, by the way. Early Subarus, old school Subarus, mm-hmm. they weren't glamorous. They weren't fast. No, they weren't this, fun. This car isn't actually that pretty. No, but they did have the Brats. Did have you remember? Did you ever know someone that had one of these growing I, up? I remember them a little bit. They had seats in the back. Before you had laws, we had like helmets and stuff. To- well, yeah, and I think uh, there were some like the Chevy, uh, some of those pull off the the roof on the what was it the the Broncos and stuff like that had yeah. like jump seats in the back, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, you had seats and stuff. Actually, so- you could buy jump seats aftermarket for about any truck back in the seventies or eighties. It was a thing. Yeah, it was a thing. Kids would kids would hop back there. Or, yeah. You know, if you needed a work truck and you had four guys and you didn't want to sit in the front seat, you just put the two in the back and. Yeah. Get back to work. So I don't know. That's that's a great pick. Wonderful selections to choose from. I'm curious to hear your picks this yeah, week. So I don't. Okay. So first off, I probably I jumped into the deep end of the pool without knowing a whole lot about these cars. I, I mean, this is the best part of the segment because I find out some stuff. I didn't even. I, I remember the Rampage. I certainly remember the Plymouth version of the car. Yeah. But I remember these cars is like a glint in my memory. Like you'd see one on the curb once parked in the street, and you just like mm, with, a, with a tow with, truck picking it up. Yeah. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> but, but no, I don't really remember these cars. But yeah, they were out there. And I, I certainly haven't seen... That's the best thing about living in the Midwest. These cars don't last around here. So no, it's, it's no. like you just erased your memory of old vehicles because they're gone. <laughs> it's so true. Yeah. That thing lasted probably... I believe that Rampage had a shelf life of about six and a half years. Guaranteed. <laughs> I can believe that for certain. Um, anyway, but between the 70s. So I don't know that I ever really remember a Ranchero... God, that front end of that car, even with the quad headlights, the, the double stack, which is the picture of this one in silver, yeah. there's something about the extra four feet 
in front of the front wheel of bumper and grill and headlights. I mean, this reminds me of like the first car I learned how to drive on. My, my dad taught me how to drive like a 78 Mercury Cougar. Dude. That's the same. It's, that would be the same chassis as that. Okay. And so, because it was on the downsides, they called it the LTD2 and then the Cougar turned into a fat sedan on the, ter- like basically a Torino chassis. Dude, the gross. doors were like four feet long, at least maybe five feet long. <laughs> Is it two door? Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. It was, yeah. it was brilliant. And so he taught me how to drive it. He said, you know, and you sit in the driver's seat, you just look at the hood ornament and make sure that's lined up with the edge of the road and you know you're somewhere close. Right. Yeah. And that hood, that hood ornament was 10 feet in front of you, by the way. <laughs> exactly. Well, that's what the Ranchero looks like here. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, the El Camino looks, I mean, pretty much like a traditional Chevy sedan. I mean, it reminds me a lot of the, uh, the Malibu my folks had in the eighties. Yep. Uh, and that Malibu is a raging piece of junk. Anyway, <laughs> the Subaru Brat. It has wagon wheels. It has jump seats. It has a roll bar with KC lights on it. I think, I mean, that no matter what's under the hood of that car, you know I'm going to probably lean that direction. Most likely. Yeah. But, my folks, we had an Aries K car back in the day. So Did you really? I, I definitely can't doubt, you know, I sound like the uh, the guy from <laughs> Princess Bride. I can't trust the cup in front of me, definitely, because of the, anyway. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Um, good in the snow, right? Those cars were good in the snow. Maybe so. Anyway, no, it's front-wheel drive. It's a piece of junk. I'm definitely killing the Rampage. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, sorry. It doesn't even make the list. Because I'm going to go back to the cool factors. The El Camino, to me, that's the race car. I'm I'm, I'm, I'm going to race the El Camino because that thing, I can do whatever I want to that Chevy block. I can throw that thing down all over the place. And you know what? No matter what I do to that car, somebody's still going to love that car, okay? Yeah, yeah true. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to daily the Ranchero. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna drive that car like my grandpa drove that that Mercury Cougar back in the day, and my dad drove that Cougar. Just drive around town, look at the hood ornament, you know. Just when not I, care. When I come to a stop sign, I hit that little thin silver wand with the black end on it. It goes, <laughs> yeah. Just just and it takes me literally forty seconds to go through an intersection on a turn because the car was so long. Sounds about right. Yeah. I think I'm going to love that Ranchero as a daily driver, Daryl. Interesting Sorry. choice. You know, yeah. and I did think about that, too. I, I wrote some notes here <laughs> uh, on the following page. I said, kill the Ranchero. They were just kind of gross looking. Sorry. Ranchero would have been decent with that 351, though. Ten miles per gallon and no power. Exclamation point. Don't so, care. I'm cruising. I'm cruising yeah. that sucker all all weekend long. If you did need to tow something, that would be the vehicle. Out of all of them, that would be the one, Yeah, I would think. But. Yeah. I thought it was a cool car. I didn't realize until you said it was the uh, Mercury Cougar, though. That makes a lot of sense at this point, because I'll tell you what, the front end of that looks just like it. Yeah, Thunderbirds, Cougars, stuff like that. They were all kind of on that same intermediate chassis. and Man, they made it. They sold a lot of them. They yeah. certainly sold a lot of them. I, a friend of mine in high school had a, a yellow one, and it was a beautiful, low-mileage car. And we all made fun of it. We, call, I, we probably called it something obscene, but it was, you know... Banana something or other. Yeah. Sorry, I got a cold. Yeah, you do, man. Um, you, I, 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 there's a right. That's fine. That's just gonna purell myself here. <laughs> no, but he had the thing, and it was it was a nice car. And my, even my dad at the time, who was a teacher in the school I went to, he's like, you know, that's a nice car. Ron's, Ron Burchek got a nice uh, Ranchero there, and I think he had it like six months, and then pulled out in front of somebody and got T-boned. Oh no! So the whole like it was rust free. Everything it was gorgeous. Got T-boned and then proceeded to just like not care about it. Hmm. Never got it fixed. Never got it painted. Trim was falling off. I think by senior year, the thing was rusted. It was sad. That's too bad. But really, right. is there such a thing as a museum piece ranchero? 
I mean, really? Well, I guess is, we'll never know. Is that one you preserve and restore? <laughs> exactly. Mm-hmm. All right. So we promised we'd be moving along in this next show because we thought the last show moved along too long. But you know what, folks? You got 90 minutes to last show month last time, so we're going to keep stretching this thing out. I guess. Uh, normally, when we have a guest show, like we'd hope to have the show with Dean, uh, we wouldn't have news, but since Dean's not going to be here this week, we're going to go ahead and uh, throw down some news. I got a couple things on here, Daryl. I hope they look okay to you. Yeah, sure, they're great. I, I don't. I, I don't know if you saw this. Are you on Twitch, Daryl? <laughs> I am not on Twitch. Okay. Should I be? <laughs> well, if according to international news, if you're a Honda fan and you drive a Civic, you should be watching Twitch. Uh, according to Wall Street Journal, which is a uh, respected news outlet, Daryl, Honda is looking for new Civic to help keep its edge on the smaller sedan market. They're trying to invigorate sales of one of their most recognizable nameplates, the Civic, as Americans' interest in sedans wane. The Japanese automaker on Tuesday night via Twitch streamed the platform or streaming platform gave buyers the first look at the next generation Civic, a model that accounts for roughly one quarter of Honda's U.S. sales. And that executive said is critical to attracting younger and more price-sensitive buyers to the brand. The company's U.S. sales have slipped in recent years as the car shoppers have flocked to bigger and pricier vehicles. Did you see the Civic? Did you see the pictures of it? The newer one? Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's not – You know, what, what, what's your take first? I, I saw, the funny thing about that was I had saw people like, oh, man, this is amazing. This is exactly what Honda needed. I looked at them like, looks like an Accord. It, it, it's, the, a, it's a baby Accord. And I, even the newer ones, like the what's the, the fastback one? The, but they they still have a hot look to them with the big wheels and if they They're have the right bad. paint job. Yeah. I, I think even I, you could argue right now that an Accord or a new Camry can have a hot look to it, right? Absolutely. We actually were over at uh, at the local Honda dealer just looking at stuff one night. We're just bored. Not that we're going to buy anything, but uh, oh God, you're one of them. No, no. <laughs> Well, it's just I like seeing because I don't I don't go to car shows. I don't I don't go anywhere. Not this year. So I actually, the newer Accords are sharp, but the newer Civics, I think, are a much better value. A newer Accord loaded with everything you want in it, you know, 40 grand, 30, you know, mid 30s, yeah. you know, for something decent. You could still get a Civic for in the 20s, low 20s, and it's it's a nicely equipped car. They've gotten a little bit bigger. I remember as a kid, uh, the Civics were everywhere, and that was usually somebody's first car, you know, out of school. For, you know, first couple of years of a paycheck, you know, your, your college car started falling apart and you're like, okay, I'm going to buy my, I'm going to buy a new car. And you went and bought a Civic. Yep. Or you bought a Corolla or something, you know, something like that. Well, I would always say that the Civic had the edge. The Civic was always a hotter little car. The Corolla was like, your family's just starting out and you can't afford a Camry or something like that. You buy a Corolla. Hmm. You know, you're a grandma and you need an economy, economy sure. little four door, you buy a Corolla. Uh, the Civic was always just like, that was the hot little car, right? Especially as a coupe, you could get the, the you know the Civic SI that had yeah. like the cool little, you know, aluminum wheels and all the goodies and the, maybe, yeah. maybe a nice you know VTEC engine or something. I don't know, but uh, it's true. The, the smaller cars nowadays are dead. the The younger folks that I know that have bought a car in recent years, they're buying things like CRVs, their HRV, which is even smaller. They're, um, they're buying, you know, RAV4s. I, 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 I the HRV. Okay. It's like a, it's, I think it's, it's like our CHR, probably Toyota. It's, yeah. yeah, it's, I think it's not on the same CRV chassis. I think it's, uh, what's the fit? It's the smaller one. Okay. I think. It's yeah. like a, it's like a, a fit with a taller roof and a little bigger back seat. And, and it's interesting to see because still, if you go to the cities, that's where the, that's where you see cars that, like this. You see the Civics and you see the smaller cars in urban areas. You're, you're not seeing them out in rural America or mid-sized cities because they just they, they don't seem to work there. And a truck, bud. Can't, yeah. 
Can't put a flag on the back of the driver. Right. <laughs> right. Can't haul Sorry. Your, Sorry, that went sideways. Can't haul your steer to market <laughs> exactly. in the Civic. So I don't know. Uh, I think that there's still maybe even if not in the States, uh, I think globally there's definitely demand for a Civic. But whatever they can do to drum up business. Um, I think that the Twitch thing is actually a good play. Because it, it, it hits the uh, the right demographic. Ab- you think? I absolutely. I, I think that uh, as much as you might think it's just like seventeen, eighteen year olds sitting around. I know a lot of guys in their their thirties who are watching Twitch TV. Okay, you know, and watching gamers play games, which to me seems like watching paint dry. But you know, yeah. what? but here I am, and you and I are talking about the British Baking Show, and you know, to them, that's probably you know, you know the they, same thing to them. And definitely shouldn't be advertising the new Civic on the British Baking Show. I can assure you of that. Absolutely not. <laughs> Maybe a new, uh, I don't know, Lexus or something. Exactly. National news, Daryl. Let's move on. Yes, Daryl, do you own a Cadillac dealership? I wouldn't mind. Because if, if you did, you might be entitled to a half million dollars just to drop that franchise. Really? Yeah. Cadillac dealers, uh, this is from Automotive News, by the way. Cadillac dealers who don't see a sell, see a place for themselves with the luxury brand's all-electric future can walk away with more than a half million dollars instead. General Motors last week showed the benefit. The breadth of its commitment to electric vehicles as the future of Cadillac and other brands boosting its EV and autonomy budget by 35% through 2025. Hmm. Cadillac's first full EV, the Lyric, spelled L-Y-R-I-Q. How cute. It'll launch in 2022, nine months sooner than initially planned. The brand expects to be selling EVs. Uh, by 2030, as long as GM feels the market is ready. Some dealers, on the other hand, aren't quite ready to make that shift or to spend at least $200,000 on chargers, tooling, and training as GM is requiring. They have until November 30th to decide whether or not they'd like to get out instead. So an ultimatum, if you will. Yeah, I, this this doesn't really shock me, but this is going to like condense the amount of you know, compress the amount of Cadillac dealers across the country. And will Cadillac really be the same thing? My grandfather loved Cadillacs. Yeah. My grandfather, buried in Pontiac, Illinois, is probably turning in his grave right now at the thought of Cadillac being an EV-only manufacturer. I can I can see some trouble with that right now, at least for the next 10, 10 years, while the demographics kind of shift. Yeah. Because GM is, ever since the restructuring, if you will, post-bankruptcy of GM, it seems like in 2009, 10, whatever, it seems like they've tried to position Cadillac to be like performance, elegance, like almost like a Lexus type brand. And it's, the sad thing is it's not. Those people were, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go on a limb. Those people were Oldsmobile customers. Those people were Buick customers. They killed (laughs) <laughs> Oldsmobile <laughs> and Buick, they turned into garbage. Yeah. So now, like they've tried Buick's to find still this niche. rated very highly, though, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, in terms of quality. Yeah. But it's it's all it is is just rebrand, re rebadged stuff. Um, the Cadillacs they're putting out now. I saw Fred Armisen, former SNL alum Fred Armisen, show up at a Cadillac commercial. Ooh. And he was Ooh. like. Yeah, he was like, "Oh, I'm going to do the virtual pre-delivery inspection on this new Escalade." He <laughs> he, and he was he was trying to be all like cute and funny and stuff. And I'm like, "Have you seen the MSRP on an Escalade? Eighty eighty five? It's up there. Yeah. It's over. Not, it's eighty five ninety probably, and then they have a ten thousand dollar rebate slapped on it instantly. Right. Yeah, right. If I'm dropping a hundred k on an Escalade, I don't want to see cute. I want to see like." I want to see somebody in like. I want to see Matthew McConaughey talking garbage. <laughs> right. I want to see something. I want to see some art. Give me a Leonardo DiCaprio. 
talking about you know spinning his little thing you know from inception on the on the dash or something. Cadillacs used to mean like wire wheels and gold keys and like you know all kinds of excess. So so a Cadillac in the day for for like my grandfather's sake, it yeah. wasn't necessarily that it was the most highest in technology. But it was the nicest and the most refined. It was. And I think that was, it, it kind of like lends itself to like a Rolls Royce or a Bentley or something like that. Yeah. We're not necessarily saying, oh, you have the best speakers, you have the best Bluetooth technology, but you have the nicest ride and you have the most gilded experience, right? Yeah. And all the bells and whistles for things like, you know, automatically dimming mirrors. Well, those are on Cadillacs. So the headlights that dim when the oncoming traffic comes in. Yeah. They had that in the fifties and it was on Cadillacs. And then it started, you know, finding its way into other. But that's what gyms. Lexus did with Toyota, and yeah. Infinity does with Nissan, Acura, and uh, Honda. I mean, that's what they do. They have these high-end brands. Would you say that GM has really denied itself over the years, not letting Cadillac really be a luxury brand? I think so. I think they went through some, uh, you know, unfortunate times in the '90s. You know late 80s, early 90s, and all through the early 2000s. I really like the designs they've come out with. They've had some pretty decent stuff. I, I commend them for, tr- like, the CTSVs I thought were really awesome vehicles. You know, you take a, you know, pretty decent LS motor and stuff it into a Cadillac, and you have something that could compete with an M5 or mm-hmm. something, you know, like a, a Mercedes no, AMG. I don't, I don't think there's any doubt that those, uh, those V8 sedans are like world class as far as performance goes. They're slick. They've also started doing things like twin turbo V6s and some of the other models, and I'm not that well read on the newer ones. If EV is the next generation where they're going to go, cool. I I just think it's going to be a rocky transition for the current Cadillac customer versus the customer they want. And I think that's what they're doing with the brand. They're it's, designing... It's going to be a tough bridge. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, because the folks that are 70 years old and they've got a Cadillac now versus the successful 50-year-old, those are two wildly different demographics. Maybe they should walk them over to the Buick dealership at that point. Maybe they should just get them a nice <laughs> lacrosse, send them on their way. I don't know. All right. So, Daryl, maybe you could take this one. Uh, if you go back a couple episodes, we talked a little bit about uh, John Deere owners mm. begrudging the manufacturer that they couldn't actually work on their vehicles. And sure enough, in this last election cycle, some news came up in Massachusetts. What have we got here? That's right. The so-called right to repair laws. Everybody has kind of, if you've read anything on like uh, Jalopnik or the SEMA websites or you follow well, yeah, someone. Yeah, it was, it was a SEMA article I believe we posted. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So this one's from Automotive News. Uh, the Alliance for Automotive Innovation recently, uh, as, as Friday last week, filed a federal lawsuit over a recently enacted ballot measure in the state of Massachusetts that updates an existing state law that expands access to data related to vehicle maintenance and repair. So starting in 2022 with that model year, the updated right to repair law requires makers of vehicles sold in Massachusetts to equip their vehicles with telemetric systems, uh, which collect and wirelessly transmit mechanical data to a remote server with a standardized open access data platform. So that means open access. That means other companies, other people can access that data, not just your manufacturer of of your vehicle. It also gives vehicle owners and independent repair shops access to real-time information from the telemetics, such as crash notifications, uh, diagnostic info, navigation. Now, that law is scheduled to take effect on December 3rd, and the alliance says that automakers can begin selling 2022 model year vehicles as early as January 2nd of uh, 2021. So they could face impossible compliance obstacles. Yeah, that's the manufacturer saying impossible 
compliance obstacles because they certainly don't want to comply with this law. Of course not. Of course not. They don't want to give you that data that you should have because you own the vehicle. Well, I, I think that just stems from the fact that they're not ready to supply infrastructure and knowledge to outside vendors. I mean, what I, what I figured out over the last couple of years, especially like with the release of the new Supra, is is seems like we're sometimes still learning about the car right. as we're going through it. So, yeah. where where could the lawsuits possibly go? You know, if you have a car that's one year old and now you have to supply all the information to outside vendors, it seems like it's an ongoing knowledge base. I mean, what I, what I see, you know, yeah. cars that are one and two yeah. years old, we're still learning about. So, you know, how much is on the manufacturer to keep publishing out to the outside vendors? And I'm not giving them a pass on that because I, I do believe, just sure. like in the tractor situation, I think that it's obscene to think that if you buy a John Deere tractor for $250,000, you can't work on it yourself. But there are some levels of complexity. You know, for example, we're talking about the keys, you know, the key situation with a, with a car that needed to be rekeyed. Well, you know, there's only so many, there's a finite number of combinations you can store in a computer yeah. and everything's locked and there's all kinds of interesting pieces of tech that are that are woven into that vehicle to make it go. It's not like you can go down to, you know, Bob's True Value and have recut <laughs> some keys they off a shelf. Nobody cuts car keys anymore if you haven't noticed. No. The local well, uh, the 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 local hardware stores have and again, it's it's the it's that weird in between now where you've got keys with, you know, chips in them and only certain pieces of Software are unlocked to where you can have third-party people like, hey, my 2010 F-150 needs a new key. Well, you can go to the dealer for this amount of money, or you can go to a hardware store, or you can have this guy come out to your house and flash it, or you can buy one off eBay and then pray that... <laughs> we're, we're at the point now where tech is so woven into the vehicles that it really... Um, it's, it's, kind of a, it's kind of a dangerous situation to go aftermarket in a lot of sense. Um, I, I'm not trying to steer people away. I'm, I love the old stuff because of its simplicity. But if you have a car from the last 20 years, it's foolish to think that you can do everything yourself in the driveway anymore. It really is. I think you should. I think it'd be great. I think it'd be awesome if you could take anything and go anywhere and have anybody work on it. But that's not the way that we... I mean, yeah. your your iPhone, if something craps out your iPhone, you're not going to crack that open and try yeah. to fix it, unless, are you? Unless it's not a warranty, and I know I can do it for under 100 bucks. You know, I'll take it up to Central Illinois iPhone repair, possibly. Yeah. But, uh, but I know that's a last ditch, because I know that if I take it to the iPhone store, it's going to cost me, you know, three times much, or I'm just going to get a new phone. You know, that's disposable technology. I think, you know, when we go back to early episodes of the show, we've done this several times now in this episode, that just tells you folks should dial back and look at it. But we talked about like Rich Rebuilds. Oh, the know. Tesla guy. Yeah, the Tesla guy. Yeah. So, I mean, Rich Rebuilds, he was, he was getting Teslas. He was buying uh, trashed out Teslas that the manufacturer had given up on because they were an accident, something like that. He'd married two cars together. Well, Tesla was an example of a manufacturer that never anticipated customers working on them beyond warranty. Yeah. And so Tesla, you know, put up a brick wall for this guy. So when he calls up, says, Hey, I need this part for the uh, battery clip to, to fasten the, the, the cable onto the battery. And they're like, we don't sell that part retail. Well, you have to at some point because that car's on the road, right? So I, and I, you would think, and there's a market for it. Yeah. There's a market for that. Even something as simple as, um, you know, I'm trying to think of a new vehicle, something that commonly wears, or, you know, uh, I don't know. Uh, I'm drawing a blank right now. But the bottom line is, if you own something, 
you should not only own the the, the property, but you should also have uh, the software, the control, everything in there to make that part work as a whole. And if you don't, you should be able to not just have one single source that you can take it to. Because at some point, what I've learned over the years with, with, with vehicles over 10 years old, the manufacturer isn't even going to support it. No. So if it's a dealer-only part or a dealer-only this or a dealer-only software, you have to get the you know, uh, particular licensed software to, and, a, and a tool to plug in and flash your stuff, cool. But then I want to see somebody support that in perpetuity. And you see that with Caterpillar. Caterpillar... You can go in, and somebody told me this is BS, but I, I've also heard from people like Cat, like, no, <laughs> oh, oh, it's not. Conspiracy, let's hear it. You can go in, order parts for like a, like a, you know, 1950s D9 bulldozer, and they won't have it, but they'll get it for you. They'll order it or they'll make it. I, I would argue back the other direction that I think that we might be in the next generation of people who see manufacturers upholding that law that they only have to supply cars or t- parts for 10 years. Yeah. I, uh, just like, Compare a Tesla or a new technology car, an EV, to an IBM computer from 10 years ago. Well, wait a second. IBM went out of business. Leveno bought it. Mm-hmm. And so Leveno could say, you know what? We bought Rivian, and uh, those Rivian cars from 10 years ago, we're done. Yeah. And so now the market is going to demand whether or not there's replacement parts for Rivian 10 years from now if Rivian doesn't actually make them anymore. Uh, we may We may be in the era of you lease it. And as you lease it, you own it, and you walk away from it. This yeah. is literally where we may be going to disposable vehicles. And then we crush it, recycle everything, and start over. Yeah, we piecemeal it out. We strip yeah. it down. You know, the seats are made of soy. We can recycle those. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> They're made of the same material as your Whopper at Burger King. No, it's Soylent green. Yeah. It's kind of scary, but yeah. I don't know. Uh, interesting law. Anytime you see any notification in your newsfeed for car guys, car folks, uh, car ladies, uh, anything right to repair law, definitely want to follow that. You do. You do. Is- and I think uh, it'd be interesting to see where uh, you actually have an opportunity to speak against that. You know, can, can you talk to your local representative? Can you uh, vote for it? I don't think you're going to vote for it ever directly, but your your legislators will be. Planned obsolescence. Yes, exactly. All right. So, uh, this, uh, maybe this is related or not, Daryl. This is more national news. The Alliance supports California's incentives for new EVs. The Alliance, Daryl, is the Alliance of Automotive Innovation. On Tuesday, they applauded the new incentive plan for EVs in California, the collaboration between the California Air Resources Board and the state's electric utilities offers consumers up to $1,500 up front for the purchase or lease of an eligible new battery, electric, or plug-in hybrid vehicle from participating auto re- retailers. The California Clean Fuel Reward Program launched on Tuesday will help support Governor Gavin Newsom's ambitious move to stop the scale the sale of new passenger cars and trucks with internal combustion engines by the year of 2035. The plan aims to transition California away from fossil fuels and reduce greenhouse gas emissions, the state air regulator said. That's from Automotive News. I I think, you know, first off, Daryl, I'll tell you the reason I put this article in here is because we talk a lot in some past episodes about Trump had, had basically said California is out of line, mm. you know, with their demanding of manufacturers uh, as far as the green credits and stuff like that sure. or have an EV only by 2030. Uh, but like I said, 
two or three episodes ago. If California wants to do that, then California should lead by itself. And here's an example. Newsom's basically saying, we're going to start throwing our own money out there to make sure we dictate the way the customers go, whether or not the federal government's involved or not. Yeah, it's a lot of money. I mean, we've talked uh, also about incentivizing EVs. The yeah. market isn't necessarily – it's it's not going to do it itself. It asked, the, the sales of those vehicles – Seems to have have been driven largely by government subsidies oh, at the tax federal level, for sure. Tax yeah. incentives at the state level, even things like reduced plate fees in some states. Um, and then, of course, when they come up off lease as secondary vehicles, they're dirt cheap. And yeah, you can buy a Nissan Leaf for like a, a, a quarter of the price it is new. Yep, and they're very very affordable. The Chevy Bolt, even used Volts, are, are relatively uh, a decent price. And we've talked before; they don't wear really. I mean, it's there's some stuff that wears out. I but. think I think the problem is most people who buy those cars generally are in a different economic class and sure. they, don't, they don't drive them as hard. You don't see a hardcore commuter driving a Chevy Volt. I, I, but then again, I don't know if I talk to that many Chevy Volt owners. I'd be interested to know a Chevy Volt owner who's got two or three hundred thousand miles on a Volt. Is that yeah. possible? It probably is. But again, you, you, they're they're not tons and tons and tons of them out there. Yeah. Um, interesting thing to see. I mean, what was the subsidy? $1,500? That's it. That's small. It's not that much. But if but it, we're when, talking when, leases. When married with the federal tax credit, I think, you know, we're talking like, you know, $10,000, right? Or, or $9,000 because it used to be $7,500 federal credit. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, that's real money. Then you start getting into uh, the, the point where it starts to make sense for some people, depending mm-hmm. on how they drive. Um, lots of eyes on California. I think GM also recently backed or uh, fell out of the support of some of the Trump administration lawsuits. I saw that pop up today. I didn't pull the whole doc on that, but um, GM was kind of supporting, kind of trying to trying to knock some of the power out of California. Oh, so the election probably changed their mind on that. I think or? so. Okay. I think they decided like when when some of the results came in, they're like, eh, I don't know. Hey, Donald, you're on your own. Yeah. Yeah. So, but California has always set the pace when it comes to uh, air uh, regulations in terms of fossil fuel emissions for vehicles. Specifically, California's emissions laws go back to the mid-1950s, probably even before that, uh, when the population started to grow out there. They started seeing increase in smog and, and a little bit more public awareness of it. It's it's funny to see too. Like it took probably twenty to you know twenty to thirty years for the public out there to be like, how come we can't see the sunset? You know, <laughs> how come? You know, it's <laughs> what's what's all that stuff? Well, yeah, you can see the moon. That's good enough for you. Yeah, okay? that's fine. Yeah. yeah, those aren't stars. That's uh, <laughs> I don't know. All right, let's move on to local news. Uh, Rivian Rivian sells out of. R1Ts, Daryl. They're selling like hotcakes. This is according to Electrek. It's a uh, EV-only news source. But I don't know if you're aware of this or not. They were selling R1Ts, but they sold out, Daryl. Selling trucks or selling the reservation to purchase a truck? Well, I don't know. I, I mean, it's... <laughs> it's your deposit. Hold a deposit in one hand and the, uh, an air in the other. Which which do you have? Do you have a truck? I'm yeah. not sure. Last week, Rivian unveiled the final pricing configurations of the first version of the R1T and the R1S, which is their like SUV. The startup opened its configurator for people who have placed reservations for a $1,000 deposit. Despite this limitation, they managed to sell out of all the launch edition vehicles and electric vehicles within a week. Rivian announced on Twitter, which is the hip happening place to do it, quote, Thank you to all of our community of pre-order holders and all your support and excitement. Launch edition reservations are now full. Early configurator access continues for pre-order holders to build your adventure or explore models. 
And, uh, yeah, that's pretty exciting. While Rivian hasn't disclosed how many launch edition vehicles were going to be produced, the only version that will be produced, the only thing you're getting on that deposit is vehicles built between June 21 and January of 2022. Launch edition comes with special badging, and it's available with an exclusive launch edition green color option. Of course. Of course, it's going to have a 300-mile mid-range battery, and they are planning on shorter and longer-range batteries. That's according to Lectrek. Daryl, this is in our backyard. This is yeah. a company making electric vehicles in Bloomington, Illinois, at the old Mitsubishi plant, the mm-hmm. old Diamond Star Motors, started out as Mitsubishi, then turned to Chrysler. And uh, we have yet to see anything besides one van for Amazon. Yeah. And but, a couple but, of prototypes and a commercial. So I think the $1,000 first off, I think if you say here's a $1,000 refundable donation er, donation, sorry, <laughs> refundable deposit, you know, to yeah. buy our truck. Well, anybody's going, "Oh yeah, here's $1,000. Hang on to that money." Sure. The $1,000 is too cheap. It is too cheap. And those are all the people who with the disp- you know, disposable income and be like, "Yeah, I got one on order." Yeah. I got one reserved. I'm getting one of the first. You're in Tundra forums. I'm in Tacoma, Tacoma forums. How yeah. many times you see people saying, my next truck's going to be a, a Tesla Cybertruck? I, I saw it in Tacoma feel. forum just this morning. Yeah. Yeah, my next, I love my Tacoma. My next truck's going to be a Cybertruck. Of like, course. <laughs> yeah, because that's exactly like what you have now. Exactly. That's like, <laughs> that's like you know, a, a, a guy who eats nothing but like Funyuns and uh, hot dogs and be like, yeah, I'm going to order sushi. Like it's not even in the same ballpark. It's no. not even close. <laughs> but I, and I wish Rivian would get on the ball. I would love to see a little bit more of a, I don't know, like a like a marketing campaign or like actual property that they've made like in the marketplace or at least like I don't know. Like I feel like I feel like we're too skeptical. I feel like sometimes they're doing a lot of stuff over there and we just don't realize it because we're so we're sitting over here like the uh, the old cranky guys from the Muppet Show. But where are they? <laughs> Statler and Waldorf. <laughs> yeah. Where? But where are they marketing this? Is I, it somewhere else? It's on YouTube. I mean, they drove through the Andes last year in one of their trucks. I just I'm just not seeing a lot of their vehicles. I, I see the Amazon truck they made. Yeah. I mean, I half wondered if that thing, if it sat under a, a grow light if, or a sunlight, if it would like melt because it made of clay or something like that. I don't <laughs> know. Be. Yeah. I I, I I don't know. Thousand bucks seems pretty cheap. There's there's a company, a new EV company called Atlas Trucks. Have you seen yeah, this? I have. Okay, so Atlas Trucks sent. I got something the other day. It was on my feed. It was like, oh, you can still be an early investor in Atlas Trucks. And so I watched some of their videos, and they're at an EV truck company. They're talking about this truck they're going to build. And I saw this tube chassis on this really thick brick design of, of their skateboard version, basically. Huh. Okay. And I'm like, wait a second. You know, I'm not going to be – I, I, not that I have disposable income to did throw you, around. Did you but throw some money there? No, no, no. But I'm just like looking. I'm like, these guys are soliciting for donations. And all I could see was like a wood box that they made that looks like a, a cab. Yeah. A tube chassis. And then the skateboard design with some small like Prius wheels on it. I'm like, <laughs> anybody and their brother can make anything right now and pretend like they're an EV car maker, right? I really think that we are in like this weird next generation. Remember like the turn of the century where – Everybody made stuff. Yeah. Like everybody. Yeah. Like you'd have a guy like start a company like I'm gonna build the best washing machine, and like two years later yeah. he was making like accordions, moving it's like, delivery it's, it's trucks. Like the Wright brothers versus like a hundred yeah. other airplane makers, right? Very true. Yeah. And EVs are great because everybody that has some what of an engineering working knowledge of electricity and batteries and you know regenerative braking and all yeah. this stuff like that that you can go on YouTube and learn about. Or go to school for that's fine, 
now everybody's like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do a Kickstarter to build a next generation EV truck. Okay, but in the end, like five years from now, none of you are gonna be, be there. It'd be like you and I say, we're gonna start a craft brewery. That'd be uh, a brilliant idea. That'd be a great idea. <laughs> we should sell everything and put all our money in that. <laughs> all right. That's enough with the uh, local news, the national news, the international news. This is everything we got. So, Daryl, it's time for our favorite segment of the show. This of is course. the one that's gotten us critical acclaim and mm. uh, fans all over the world. Right. It's our Moment of Musk. All right, this article comes from Business Insider. And first off, I just want to ask you, Business Insider, hmm. I'm not even sure that Business Insider is really a business magazine. Any more stuff pops up on my news.google.com. Uh-huh. It says it's from Business Insider. It tends to be like some Jenner trash and some other stuff like that. So it's like the People magazine of business. I believe that's exactly where it's going. I have this great picture that came from uh, Business Insider. It's Werner Herzog. And Elon Musk. And I don't know if anybody knows who Werner Herzog is. To me, he's a famous documentarian director. He's done things like Grizzly Man, Arctic, he calls it Happy People, Cave of the Forgotten Skulls or something like that. There's all these great documentaries by Werner, but he's this very dry German director, and he's very serious. Actually, you may remember from the Jack Reacher movie where he was a nemesis to Tom Cruise, and he was super creepy with his German accent. That was probably the only fictionalized role he's done lately. But anyway, Werner's an expert in his field. And Werner, when he was asked about Elon's striving to go to Mars, he goes, It's a mistake. (laughs) I think that Elon stylizes himself as some sort of technology visionary. Because he has to sell his electric cars. Wonderful that he does that. He has to sell his reusable rockets. Wonderful that he's doing that. I disagree with him when he postulates and preaches about colonizing Mars. Humans should not be like locusts, Herzog said. He also goes on to say, I have to tell not only Elon, but everyone. This is an obscenity. The thought alone is an obscenity. Herzog later said he would love to go to Mars someday, but I would love to go with a camera and scientists. And that is your moment of must. Oh, Elon never got a rebuttal on that one. All right, so <laughs> Elon what was, never. What was the outro? You never got a rebuttal on that one. No, no. So here's the deal. Uh, I agree completely. This actually, this quote from Elon saying, or not? Well, I'm sorry, Warren Herzog saying that humans should not be like locusts and they should look to keep the planet inha- or habitable. He actually said, "Look to keep our planet inhabitable." Is what the quote is. I copied and pasted that, and I have to think that's a misquote. I would hope that Herzog is saying, "Look to keep our planet." Habitable. I think so. Yeah. I okay. Think so. so I can understand that. But in that logic, I mean, there would never be explorers. So I think there has, there's like a homebody aspect to what Werner's saying. Yeah. You know? There's something very troubling about the whole, like, go to another planet. And, especially, and ruin it. And ruin it, just like we've ruined this one. I, I, especially from his perspective as a filmmaker, I mean, he's, <laughs> he's seen a lot of the, Sci-fi films and how that's worked out. I mean, everybody's yeah. seen Total Recall. I mean, come on, that doesn't work very well. Yeah, just a mining community, you know. Yeah, it's fine. It's fine. Uh, you know, but at the same time, is it is it people are people jealous of Elon because of all the crackpot ideas that have like some kernel of eh, it could happen? You know, like everything he's managed to do. By the way, second richest guy in the world under yeah. Bill Gates. Oh so, yeah. yeah, and actually, we talked about this earlier. Uh, I, I, 
I would have made tenfold my money had I held on to the stock I had with him when we started the show two years ago. Yeah. Tenfold. He's a decent enough business yeah. guy. I don't know how he manages. But. Yeah. Faith. It's just like, it's just like, uh, I, I believe that if Elon wasn't manning the helm, mm-hmm. the company would not be nearly as respected or people would throw money at it. It's the same thing with Apple and, uh, oh, what's his name with the black sweaters? Jobs. Uh, jobs. If Jobs, you know, when Jobs left Apple, nobody, yeah. nobody cared for the company. But when Jobs was at the helm, people had faith right. in the company. So. so much so that they brought him back after yeah. he was a total, exactly. said, yeah. you know what? Yeah. Uh, yeah, interesting to see. Uh, he, Herzog, check out the movie Julian Donkey Boy. That's everybody's homework. I gotta look that one up. It's terrible, <laughs> but it also gives you a lot of perspective as to who that man is. No, so uh, I think it's uh, Happy People is one where you actually followed some people in Russia who were like Skinners and uh, trappers and stuff like that. It was. It was a good documentary. And, and Grizzly Man was his. Grizzly Man was his. Cave Where, Forgotten Dreams was the one I was thinking of. Uh, is the Grizzly Man one? Does he die? Yeah, he dies. Spoiler alert. Yeah. He, oh, yeah, he dies. <laughs> From like 2004. Yeah, and, his girl, and his girlfriend dies, too. It's a spectacular ending. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Anyway, no. Right. Uh, I, I would say that Herzog is a great thinker. Uh, but the, the problem, and I, and I believe what, it, like I said, the locust thing makes complete sense. But I think if you had a bunch of people in this con- in this continent or this world thinking that way, uh, we would never do anything. We just we just sit here and where's the spirit of adventure? Is exactly. What you're yeah. Sorry, Herzog would not have been on the Apollo missions. Okay. Probably, <laughs> probably not. <laughs> oh, well. Speaking of the the. Uh, the new season of The Crown. Did you see the episode where the Apollo astronauts sat down with Prince Philip? No, not yet. It's a great episode. All right. No. All right. Well, what, we'll I talk did about- see, as, as long as we talk about The Crown, <laughs> I will say, like, the, uh, uh, what is it? Um, there's a scene where, like, the young Diana is, like, riding on roller skates through yes. uh, Buckingham Palace. All I can Palace. think is she's ruining the carpet with those, those skates. Well, there's that. But there's also, like, like Sarah noticed, she's like, What's up with CGI? And I'm like, what? What are you talking about? Like, it's not CGI. It's like totally real. And she's like, no. Like, while she's skating through the palace, you can see lights from the chandelier as she, as she rolls down the hall. You can see the lights in her hair and then like through the rest of her body. It's like they superimposed. It's like a, it's terrible. Oh. Check it out. Okay. All right. It's All right. great. All right. I'll go back. All right. Anyways. I was too busy watching her barf. Sorry. I don't know if I can go back. I have to go through that. Oh, yeah. That was a gross. That was a thing. Yeah. That was a thing. Sorry. The next few scenes may uh, be hard <laughs> <laughs> to watch. Yeah. By the way, there's like a disclaimer at the beginning of every episode of The Crown. I mean, Daryl, this is how old we are. I mean, I don't even like this stuff. Believe me, my wife drug me into it. But, of course. Uh, yeah. But uh, Princess Diana sticking her finger down her throat, gagging. I mean, come on. That was just gross. I, I forgot she, that was a thing, though. She had, I didn't know that was a thing. Yeah, I know that. She had a problem. Uh, well, I don't, it's fictionalized, Daryl. The mm. show is fictionalized. There's definitely no. Anyway. Of course, yeah. That's we're going to move on to the next section of the show because we're going to drag this sucker out to two hours before it's all over. Oh this is the grinding of the gears. <sighs> Daryl, you got a couple. I mean, you got one thing here. What do you got? What is this thing? No, it's just weird. Uh, collector car market. Uh, as as a lot of folks know, I, I follow that quite heavily. Even is though that what you call your garage? I don't have anything collectible. Okay. Just, but the antique car market. I, I think it's super weird, and it has to do with the values of things right now. Kind of up and down, up and down. And then the younger generation of hobbyists that are 
rediscovering some of, or discovering, I should say, some of the cars that you and I grew up with that really in their time were not that great. <laughs> I see a Chevy Malibu that my parents had. I threw a baseball on the side of, on this picture. I'm Did not you? Sure. What is that? It's thing? a celebrity. It's, okay. It got cut off here, but it's, uh, it's, okay. it's an 86 Chevy celebrity. I was watching the Mecham auction and they had an, in, in Las Vegas and they actually had an 86 Chevy celebrity cross the auction block. If you would have told me 10 years ago, even five years ago, that an 86 celebrity, just your basic kind of middle of the road sedan, <laughs> millions of those things sold, would be part of a Mecham auction, I would have laughed you out of the room. And that only, not only did it cross the block, but on like a bunch of different Facebook groups and stuff that I'm in, they're like, dude, did you see that celebrity? It was sweet. What'd it go for? I totally would have paid like five grand for it. I think it wound up selling for like, is it 3500 plus 10% buyer's premium? But anything that rolls right now and, and can run is worth $2,000. Easily. Easily. So the 3500 I mean, the car must have been super clean, I have to imagine, right? Yeah, it was like 30-some-thousand-mile car. So I started Googling. I started looking through other stuff out there just to see where things were at. And I found for $41,000, Gateway Classic Cars in O'Fallon has an 86 GMC conversion van. <laughs> This is no joke. The vans that like you and I saw, yeah. you long know, body, yeah, okay, yeah, and at it's, least one the short body. No, it's a nice low mileage original van. But I'm like forty one thousand dollars for a conversion <laughs> van. That's probably what that thing costs new. But you could you could live in it, Daryl. <laughs> That's kind of where my mind's at. Uh, Ninety three Buick Roadmaster. Everyone's like, oh, station wagons. The values of those are going through the roof. I think we sold with the one we had at the store. that yeah. was rough two years ago. Yeah. $6,500? Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I had a friend of mine sold his for about five or six. And this one, I, it was one, it was a piece of side trim that was missing off of it. It was at a dealership, but it was five, And people were swooning over it on social media. And then you got places like Wagon Master that sells those refurbished Jeep Grand Wagoneers that everyone loves, the wood-sided oh, yeah. all-wheel yeah. drive deals. Almost eighty dollars to $100,000 for a fully restored one. And they sell them all day long, all over the world. People exporting them all over. And I'm like, I should be happy because I usually like weird, quirky piece of crap stuff that is pretty pedestrian, pretty boring. But I'm like, if that's the stuff that's fetching good money, and then people like, I mean, my old man had struggled selling his 56 Chevy. Yeah. Because there's no market right now. No, no, it's totally changed. The fact that that uh, dude, that celebrity, the celebrity had no business even being sold on us. That car should have been in in a trash heap somewhere. But I do love the what, fact. What collection needs a celebrity? None, and that's the thing. But but I hate to I hate to say that because I, you know I also appreciate stuff that you know by all by all means the stuff that's in my garage should have been scrapped years and years ago. Somehow they survived. It's but looks funny. like the race daily kill. I mean the race daily yeah. kill. So there, there's four cars there that arguably. Two of those cars easily in the early 70s, early 80s, if those cars disappeared, we didn't care about. Right. And all of a sudden, we're like, oh, those are kind of cool. Right. I just don't see the celebrity having that, but, uh, you know, who am I to say? No, I'm, I'm the same way, especially when you see it on, like, a televised thing, and you're just like, what? Like, I remember when auctions were a big deal, you'd watch, like, Hemi Kudas, and there's still, like, Barrett-Jackson, you yeah. know, you'll still see stuff like Shelby's go through. You're like, oh, that's awesome. It's like a $100,000 car plus. But to see, like... An 86 celebrity. It's just hilarious. It's to me, and maybe it's good. Maybe it means people are getting into quote unquote the hobby. Um, 
I just, I think it's inflation. I do too. I just think there's some weird stuff going on with values. Because I think the, it's inflation, but I also think it's a lack of interest in the older cars. So I think, I think yeah. we all knew that was coming. It's and, coming with a vengeance. Yeah. Anything 50s and older right now, values are dropping steadily, especially pre-war stuff. Yeah. I'm seeing guys, you know, get get Model A's for you know under 12 grand, 10 grand that are fully restored. And that, that doesn't typically happen. But see, that's cool to me because I, I hope those cars still kind of keep in circulation. Yeah. Right, instead of being stuck as a museum piece. I agree. It'd be nice to be, see them out a little bit. Yeah. You know. Anyway, I did, I did see a, a, there is a local guy that's got a Model T coupe and I saw him at a show last summer and I, I went up to him like, Hey man, your car's pretty, pretty cool. Can you tell me about it? And he just put his aviator shades on and his tight jeans and he took his latte and he walked away. Are you serious? Yeah. He like totally stubby, big time me. And I'm like, okay, dude, cool. Hey, douchebag. If you are a cool, younger, hip dude and you're in like cool old vehicles, like, that's that's part of the thing that goes with it. Get used to people talking to you. Get used to people coming up and like gushing. And guess what? <laughs> they're gonna know more about them than you because they're older than you, and yeah. they might have something to you know teach you. Because I'm also seeing the younger guys. I'll, I'll leave it with this: the younger guys that are in some of my groups that are that are starting to get into the older cars. It's every week. What's this do? What's this thing on my fender? How come my car doesn't run? And what's this? And I tried this, this, and this. And it's like when you get an old car <laughs> and you're like. I don't know, under the age of 30 or under the age of 40, get a shot manual, join a club, and talk to some of the old timers and be cool with them. Don't snub them. Don't be a YouTube expert. I Googled it and I learned this. Like, you don't know anything. I tried to dig down the Ford garage and they blew me off. (laughs) Right. Imagine that. Right. Dude, just. That car is older than anybody else in the shop. And by the way, older stuff, if you take that to a modern shop or a modern mechanic or, you know, a dealership, they don't want that stuff tying up their bay. Because they're going to have to order parts and wait for it and sit and sit and sit. That's not the place to do it. No, and that's the thing. That's kind of like the misnomer. People are always like, oh, I'll, I'll take it to you. You guys, uh, you can just, just charge me by the time it takes to put on it, you know, all that stuff. Like, we don't want that job. There's a million other jobs we can do besides having to, right. you know, to learn our way through your vehicle. <laughs> right. As cool as it would be yeah. to see like an 86, you know, Toyota pickup yeah. show up or something. Yeah. It's like, okay, cool. But what happens when I take all this brittle plastic apart? That's going to break. Can't yeah. find the parts. Yeah. No, that's that's where you need to personally have a hand in it and see what's going on because you don't you don't realize you can, you cannot the brittle plastic is a perfect example but you yeah. can't appreciate all the other stuff that's going to break while you're tearing this thing down. Absolutely. Sorry. Well, what do you mean the bolts broke off on the carrier bearing? Well, if, <laughs> if you want to come out here, you can see the condition of those bolts. Well, <laughs> those suckers weren't going to stay there. What can you tell me about the truck? Well, it sat in my dad's barn for yeah. thirty years, yeah. and I just figured I'd hop in and drive it to Texas. Yeah. No. That's what the guy with the super when he sold it to me said. I, I had a dream of driving that thing out to California. He should be thankful he sold that thing to me because he would have been stranded at least three times. Yeah. And I know he would have been in Missouri. <laughs> you guys, uh, you guys said a flatbed. Anyways, that's uh, that's all I got. No, that's pretty good. I How like about it. you? You're, you're so I, I I think I actually have a, a pretty good grinding of the gear this week. I, Daryl, I had a, a Toyota camper come up for sale on Facebook Marketplace the other day, and I posted it, and everybody responded going, I put up my story, and everybody was like, scam, scam, scam. Mm. And that was probably a month ago, and I'm like, yeah, I know it's a scam, because it was 1200 bucks and it looks brand new, and it's got a palm tree in the background. I know it's probably <laughs> not legit, okay? But the, the problem I'm having nowadays is I can't get onto Facebook Marketplace and find anything legit. There was, mm. everything is around 1000 to 1200 bucks. Yeah. It's all 10 years old. And when you click on it, you end up at a dealership that's like bogus. Like, I'll give you an example, Daryl. 
It was a RAV4 I was looking. I wasn't even looking for a RAV4. Facebook pushed it on me and said, oh, here's a RAV4 for sale for $1,000. Like, oh, that's cool. Right, cool. That's cool. So I click on the, the seller. This first thing I want to do is I want to see who it is because it says it's an automotive dealership. Mm-hmm. Well, the dealership is just a big circle R because they don't have a logo, and it's RAV4 SUV is a dealership. You click on the dealership, and you get literally 20 listings for the same car. And they all have the same story, one picture, and it has like a general address in downtown Peoria. Well, this has kind of been the calling card now for uh, – there, there's probably a million listings in Peoria right now. I mean, I'm not yeah. trying to yeah. be disingenuous with that number. There literally are probably thousands of listings for used cars in Peoria right now that are not legit. And my biggest problem with this is, first off, you're like, okay, well, whatever. Somebody's trying to pull one over. But it's become more and more frequent. And I thought the whole point of Facebook was you had to be a verified yeah, person t- tied or seller. To your profile. Yeah, this yeah. is this is all illegitimate, and I can't even like put on their spam or anything like that. I don't think there's enough ways for all of us to start marking all these listings as bogus. It really is starting to irritate me. I I used to say Craigslist was dead, but I'm starting to think maybe Craig <laughs> Craigslist might have a way back into this thing if Facebook doesn't start policing this better. And it's a good point. I know you could report the ads, but. It doesn't matter. There's so many of it them. It would take a, it would take thousands of us in the Peoria area to start listing every one of these as bad. It, it, it kind of sucks. It does. It, it, it's it, clogging up legitimate cars. It's ruined the experience for everybody. Uh, if you're on Facebook, you know, looking through the uh, what do they call it, the marketplace, you'll you'll notice a lot of these, and it's funny because the ones that pop up, you're like, oh, that's clearly bogus. Four or five months later, you'll see the same ad pop up in yeah. a different area. Like, and I, I search for stuff in Chicago and St. Louis because we're kind of in the middle, yeah. the big metro areas. Usually, you see some cool stuff there, and I'm seeing ads, you know, just like you said. And this screenshot here, we'll share it in the post. Um, it's funny. There's just multiple pictures of the same car, and it's what's the goal? Is it to like personal information? Is it to lure someone in and be like, you know, oh, what do you take for it? Oh, just give me this check for. I don't know. I mean, I guess PayPal it me. might be a fun show for us just to go through the process and share all the emails, how it all went down. We could, we could try and buy one of these and see what happens. Yeah, I was going to say. Because you're never going to end up buying it, I don't believe. And they're going to ask for a lot of information from you yeah. and never ultimately sell you the car. Or if they do, it's going to be something not the one that was in the picture, right? Yeah, we should probably do that in conjunction with some sort of law enforcement official. <laughs> Just we don't go to prison ourselves. I like it. I think you know what I'm gonna do. Actually, uh, Chief Gillespie is looking for a Rav Four for his kid. I think that might be the perfect one. I'll oh. uh, I'll call him up. There you go. All it'd right. be like it'd be like to catch a predator, only be to catch a <laughs> scammer. All right, let's wrap this show up. We got one last segment, Daryl. You ready for this? Let's do it. Cars of the week. W e a k. That is. That's not W e k. Like the TV station. No, this is Cars of the Week. This is where Daryl and I bust out the digital currency. Actually, it's not even digital. It's mental currency. Yeah. We didn't have enough money to afford the car, but we bought it in our mind. And in our mind is a more powerful place because in my situation, Daryl, I found a car, I loved a car, and I decided it was too much trouble and I parked it in the mental garage. You want to hear about mine, Daryl? Let's do it. Let's do it. Do you go across the pond for this one? I did go across the pond. This is like uh, two episodes in a row. And I, uh, last time I had that funky little Lotus. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's what was last time? This time I found a 1973 Triumph Stag. I don't know how I found the Triumph Stag. I think what I was doing I was going to car gurus and I was just kind of looking around to see who was out there. But this Triumph Stag jumped out at me because it's got this awesome little T-top situation with lots of chrome. It's got four little round headlights. 
and it was $24,000 in Nashville, Tennessee. 42,000 miles manual and yellow with black interior. Hmm. Cool-looking little car. They are. I believe we saw one of these over at the David Davis Mansion over at the uh, British Car Show, the Champagne British Car Show. Hmm. And uh, I I don't remember. I, I just remember the Stag logo. I think I even took a picture of the Stag logo. And I imagine owning this car. Actually, I could see my wife and I cruising around, you know, going up 116, T-tops. I could see uh, that. Being lovely mm-hmm. and uh, having tea maybe. And and, and, and I, I'll be honest with you, Daryl, it was a complete fluke. I, I literally accidentally clicked on the stag and I ended up in an article. There was, and actually it wasn't just one article, Daryl. There's three <laughs> articles that popped up in Google that said that the stag V8, this is a, a British car with a V8 engine was possibly the worst engine that Triumph had ever made in a vehicle. Yeah. And I thought, well, this is interesting. And as I read the three articles and just kind of started picking around, I realized I'd mentally bought this car. I'd love this car. And just like I was talking about the Supra earlier tonight, if I didn't baby this car like an old lady, <laughs> uh, I was just going to park it in the garage. <laughs> and it's literally this car in my mind is a garage queen. Yeah. Isn't that sad? No, no. Uh, this is the virtual car collector blues. I just, I just pronounced. You know what? Uh, it's so funny because when you, when you, when you said this was going to be your pick this week, I'm like, oh, those are great. Those engines are crap. That's the first <laughs> thing I thought of. And I, I remember my brother uh, had a, a, an acquaintance he bought a Volkswagen bus from, and he and his dad always had something cool, different, European. I remember running into him at a gas station one night, and he pulled up in his dad's Triumph Stag. And it was like a kind of a root beer brown color. And I'm like, oh, that thing's awesome. That thing's cool. And he's like, yeah, it's pretty fun, whatever. He goes in and pays and comes out. And I'm still filling my car at the time. And uh, and we come out, and of course, you know, do a burnout, do a burnout. And he does. <laughs> it was like the saddest little, saddest burnout in the world. And I think that was still an original car, still had the little V8 in it. I didn't, it didn't sound like a V8. It never stuck with me as far as like, you know, being impressive. I just kind of felt sorry for it. Yeah. But it's a great looking car, beautiful lines. Yes, absolutely. There's actually one that I found for sale that's been for sale for a little bit for seven or eight grand that's got a, a Chevy small block in it. Oh, well, that might be more reliable. Yeah, but all the British guys are like, that's why it's not for sale. It's like, hey, you ruined the car. I'm like, if you, if your engine is made of glass and it's known for braking, it's a little V8 in these things, right? Yeah, it's a little V8. That's the thing. That's why the car initially jumped out at me. I'm like, oh man, that small of a car with a V8, how much fun would that be? But it's like a two and a half or three liter. It's a real so, tiny. So there's a whole deal about how Triumph had married two four cylinders that they had worked on previously. I'm not sure how it's set up. Okay. I'm not sure the configuration's even a V the way they may it sound. So, uh, just some oddball stuff going on sounds, under the hood. That's possibly why it's the worst, <laughs> worst engine ever for that car. But again, I've never, I've never in, in the Cars of the Week segment gone from loving a car, owning a car, driving with my <laughs> wife virtually, and then deciding virtually that it needs to be a garage queen as I have this car. That was quick. Uh, and to be honest, uh, for all the nerds out there, and I know there's a few that listen besides, you know, the two of us, uh, this is technically a Bond car because, oh, really? yes, and I only say that because he drove it for like two minutes in the Bond movie. Uh, in the beginning of Diamonds Are Forever, he knocks out a guy and assumes his identity, and then he gets in to meet Tiffany Case. He's, he's, he's Tiffany Case. Tiffany Case, played by Jill St. John. Okay. Beautiful, beautiful red hair. Uh, but she actually uh, meets this dude, and he's supposed to be like a di- – he's going to bring stolen diamonds to her. And his, his name – the guy's name is uh, oh, sh- Peter Franks. 
And so Connery, like, judo chops him, takes his case and his car and all that, and he goes into, like, a checkpoint. He's like, yeah, Peter French or whatever. He's driving a stag, and I no, think it's that no same way. color. Yeah. Yeah, right. yeah, and that was the first time I saw one on the, t- on the you know, in the movie. I'm like, that's cool, because it has the cool target top. So you got this big rib centered on the middle. That but it's it, like, a, yeah, it's a, uh, no, it's it's not a target top. It's a T-top. Like, the whole thing comes off, right? That, does it? Because there's still a crossbar in the middle of it. Yeah, it's okay. in the middle. So when you see it from the front, it looks like a roadster, but in the, it, it's, it's a weird profile. And, um, Jaguar made one like this too. Uh, I forget the name of it, but there's like. Well, ori- originally when I first saw the car, I, I think I saw it from the rear. I thought it was like a Porsche 914. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, this is kind of cool. And I thought it'd be a little small four cylinder. And then when I saw it was a V8 and I'm like, oh, this car might be, you know, really cool, especially with a manual transmission. Oh yeah. Yeah. It should get up. I mean, it'd be a better burnout. I'd hope if I were at the helm. But <laughs> it was probably cool for like five years, and then everything just probably fell apart. I do remember seeing the Stag logo at that that British show. car show, though, and I remember taking a picture of it, thinking, "Oh, that's really cool. I've never seen one of those before." That guy was probably like, "Hey, buy my car, would you?" Yeah, man, it's for sale. It's for sale, you know. <laughs> Twenty five grand. Yeah, nice choice, Daryl. Thank you. What and and you? I think have gone with something more reliable and uh, super cool. And it's German, so it could go either way. Uh, I picked because winter is upon us here. Ah, oh, yes. And this, actually, this car looks very wintry. It did snow a little bit last night, but of course not it down here. It didn't. No, no. See, it, I I got a little a little up in uh, up in the north woods of Peoria there. Anyways, I picked up one of the BMWs that I've always kind of lusted after after a friend of mine. Uh, one of my coworkers in high school, my part-time job, he's like, dude, I want a, th- I want a 325 IX. And I'm like, I don't know what that is. Dude, it's all-wheel drive. I'm like, I don't know anything so, about this. So the X, I, I, I wondered about that because yes. you were talking about, okay. And I don't know if that's still the same nomenclature. I think it is. I, like the, like all the SUVs, like They're the X. They're all X something. Yeah. 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 And I think the same is true. I think they made a five series with a all-wheel drive. But from 1986 to 1981 and sold here in the States from 88 to 91, the uh, 325 IX is probably one of my favorite 830s because it's all-wheel drive. It's, uh, it's your typical, you know, BMW 3 Series looks, but it has these little cool, like, factory fender flares. Yeah. You could barely tell. And the tires, the track sticks out a little bit. It's a little wider, especially in the front. And most of the people where I grew up that had these things were, were kind of the, the, uh, young, upwardly mobile professional yupsters, you know, yuppie types. But they would always have, like, the Yakima racks, right? Yeah, and, yeah. like, skis, even though sure. they, they only went skiing, like. to go up to Vail for the weekend, yeah, man. Yeah. yeah. And they'd have, like, the, you know, the, the Bridgestone, uh, snow tires on year round. I'm like, cool. But I think they're a pretty capable car. Um, this, the, this one I found, I believe is in, was it New York? Um, it's an alpine white, so it's beautiful. A lot of these things were red, kind of flashy. The white seems, it blends in. Uh, this one's a five speed, which I really like. And I really love, uh, the look of BBS rims on these cars. I think yeah. it just looks super sexy. Uh, it's kind of a winter beater with a heater, but for 10,500, I thought it was pretty cheap. There's a couple other ones out there. The values on these seem to climb. They're fairly high maintenance, I believe. I can only imagine. <laughs> I'm, I remember seeing a, there was a four-door. I mean, by today's standards, it's probably not that much, honestly. No, and I don't think it's as goofy as like some of the formatic uh, uh, the Benzes, yeah. where like the suspension is just. If you ever look at like some of the front end on like a like a 300e formatic or something, you yeah, see, like a hydraulic system or something. It's it's bizarre. Like the struts are like cut. They've got a hole passing through with the CV joints. Oh jeez. So it's I don't even know what's going on with that. Um, but these things are a little bit more uh, probably expensive to run, 
but they're they're nice cars. You could pick up a four door a little cheaper. The coupes are a little more expensive. Um, but the four doors are pretty utilitarian. When I first moved to Peoria, there was a red four door for sale for like 6,500 bucks. And I thought long and hard about it. And at that time, I'm like, I don't have the money. I don't have the money for that. Cause a $6,500 one of those is probably going to eat you another six grand in a, in a short amount of time, just in the wear and tear. That's hard to say. Uh, I mean, it, depending on how much you drive it for what you do. You probably could get away with a couple of years of driving that thing and really not doing a whole lot, I would think. Probably not. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, nice cars. Uh, if you see one for sale, uh, shoot it to me because I wouldn't mind it. I, I do like the E30s. <laughs> he does need another car. Sarah was just telling me the other day, she's mm-hmm. like, you know, it's been kind of boring around here lately. We haven't bought three cars <laughs> in the last six months. I don't know. Someday I would love an E36 M3, but uh, I'll take an E30. And if I can get an all-wheel drive one, I'll take that too. So how did you find this one on Nitro Auto Deals, Daryl? I just, I think I just Googled like uh, <laughs> 325iX for sale. Really? Or for sale near me or something. I love that too. When you Google something, it's like, you know, uh, tacos near me. Yeah. Like, okay. All right. Dude, it's all about the SEO. Yeah. Yeah. We got to make sure we get... The Google, the keywords, man. I mean, I'd be willing to search for 325, but if you could find one near me. Exactly. That'd be great. Yeah. Now, now you have to share your location services. Yeah. Yeah. I don't uh, want you to know where I'm at. Well, you can't get the car if we don't know where you're at. <laughs> oh, damn it. It's a double edged sword. What Ex- do I do? Accept cookies? Accept cookies <laughs> on this website? Oh, sure. I like cookies. <laughs> oh, wait. No, that's not what it means. Daryl, we have almost reached a rare accomplishment that we've never done on the show before by almost touching two hours on this show. I'm sorry. So. Should we break this into a two-parter? No, we might have to. Uh, Should we cut off half of it? Yeah, maybe, maybe, we'll, <laughs> maybe with the race daily kill and the grinding of the gears on like a whole different segment. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe we'll kill the whole livery section. It's hard to say. But, you know, one thing's for certain. We'll be back again, and we'll probably be a little tighter, and uh, it might be a different format because... Who knows what the future brings? With COVID, we might both be wearing masks. So it might sound a lot like this. You never know. It might. Yeah. Anyway. So thanks for listening, everybody. And I'm going to do everything I can to shut this show off before two hours. So that means I can only talk for another 90 seconds, which I'm not going to do. Daryl, I'll see you next time. See you next time. Seriously, it was two hours?